Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Timeless Gamer Show, where our games and bodies may grow out of date, but our gaming experiences will forever remain timeless. The podcast now is streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And for all of our archive videos of our previous episodes, you can still check them out by going to the YouTube channel of the Timeless Gamer Show. And you can also listen to us in all of our major... Oh, in all of the major streaming platforms by searching Timeless Gamers Show. And previously on the Timeless Gamers Show, we had fun talking with the wonderful people, the very talented people from Just Dance Philippines, uh, how they uh, how they form the group and how they function and how they just have fun just dancing. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. So if you are uh, if you are very much curious about that particular episode that we did with the people from Just Dance Philippines, go check that out by going to our YouTube page, Facebook page, and of course, uh, and other major streaming platforms out there. For this evening, uh, we will be tackling down the the PAL and the Japanese exclusive video games that we happen to enjoy despite them not being localized to the West and there are and there are quite a lot of them okay and uh, and being the show as it is we, uh, we can only narrow it down to a few games notably but that's fine uh, I mean we got the right people here to talk uh, to talk about those particular games so let's go uh, let's get into it uh, we got Sir Joel Buckley. Now back, back there on New Jersey. Yes, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are. I am back here in New Jersey, still trying to get over my jet lag and making sure that everything that uh, all the information that needs to be transmitted to our audience is at least ready to be transmitted from my brain. So thanks very much, everybody here in the chats and in the audience and in the recorded sessions. You guys can download it from our uh, usual, you know, from the usual suspect websites, you know, (laughs) well, maybe not suspect websites, but yeah, from the usual podcast websites. Thank you very much for downloading our podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, let's get let's get this show on the road. All right, thank you for that, Sir Joel. And of course, from Cebu City, we got Sir JDM. One, two, three, go retro. Hello, Ebru. Oh, yeah, you're good, JDM. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back yeah, to the Time Disclaimers. And tonight, we'll be uh, talking about the exclusive um, PAL and Japanese games that we didn't get. Actually, we got them, but not in the US. So True. stick around and and don't forget to drop your comments on the uh, chat so we can read your favorite um, Japanese and PAL exclusive games on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Joe, your uh, your your uh, mic is off again. <laughs> something might have might have gone off. Uh, something went wrong there. But yeah, um, as JDM said, <clears throat> we we in the East, here, uh, particularly in India, in in the Philippines, we did get our share of of PAL and Jap games, Japan Japanese games, because of the fact that um, we're close to Japan. It was really easy mm-hmm. to to send the stuff over there, and we were able to experience it. But the United <laughs> States didn't. So, uh, for those of you who are in the Western Hemisphere right now, listening to the podcast, this is an excellent way for you to find out about all these great games that you guys didn't get to play. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you for that, Sir Joel. And speaking of people who are back to the show, the prodigal son has returned. 
<laughs> uh, we miss this guy. What up? Reverend Katwadia of the Sega Mega Masters. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I was away for a bit, but uh, I'm back now. That's the short of it. Um, and this looks like to be a very interesting show. You know, we, we're talking about software releases when they, at least when they came out. The Americans never got, you know, and mm. here's me and Europe complaining, oh, the Americans get everything. We got something that they didn't get. Um, and, you know, and, and Japan as well. But again, we'll, we'll explore that as, this, uh, as we, we uh, go through this episode. And uh, I think it'd be very interesting. It's definitely an informative one for sure. I think as you listen, we'll be to see our little choices because the way we're doing it is we talk about a particular platform and, and a game or games, shall we say. I don't know. You know, what, what is the score is with you guys? I'll be mentioning about a specific game for each platform that I'll be talking about. That was exclusive. That was not in the America region. That will either have been the PAL territories or Japan. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the reason for it was as well. You know, what was the score back then? So, um, yeah, look forward to uh, continuing this conversation as this episode goes on. And by all means, as uh, Sir JDM says, you know, leave your comments in the section. It'll be interesting to see if there's any suggestions you might have or, or mentions that you might have of, of certain games. If there's any quality ones but yeah back to you thank you for that now a little bit of a disclaimer here uh guys now us three uh me sir me sir joel and sir jdm we grew up in the philippines okay not in the u.s (laughs) so uh so during the late 80s and the early 90s all of our video games most likely were coming from japan so we (laughs) so we will be so so mostly the ones that we'll be covering will be the japanese games exclusive games mind you while Sir Viraj will be taking us all the way to, uh, to the rest of Europe to talk about the PAL games exclusive one. So it's a, it's a, it's a very nice balance here. I'm oh, really uh, actually, oh, who do we got down there in the chat? I'm really actually looking forward to Viraj's report because of the fact that oh. it's, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, it would be a little... It, it, it's like for us here in the Philippines, in the Philippines, it's some of the stuff that Viraj is going to be telling us about. We kind of have no idea actually was there. We were more familiar with the Japanese and the U.S. games, and Viraj's uh, presentation is going to be very interesting for me. I want to find out what he's going to be surprising us with. Uh, back to you, JDM. Uh, JDM, uh, who are the people in our chats right now? All right. Mm. All right, so we have a couple here. Um, I can see Dan Dice twelve twenty two here hey, on Dad. Twitter. He said, "Yo, timeless gamers, yo, Dan yes. Dice And we also have Sir Frederick Pfeiffer. Okay, and Frederick he said, Pfeiffer. "Sir, uh, Sir Fred says hello, hello." Nice, very good. Hi, Sir very Fred. Good. Oh, thinking of the Sega Magum, uh, the Sega Mega Masters. Hi. Sir Frederick Piper as well. Sir Fred is also one of the hosts of the Sega Mega Masters. Is also yeah. one of the podcasts that talks about the Sega Mega Ma- uh, Sega Mega Ma- <laughs> Sega yeah. Mega Drive and the Master System. So check that out, guys. They're a little bit on a, on a hiatus right now due to scheduling issues, but their program's top notch. Uh, so don't Thank take you. my word for it. Go watch for yourself. So, gentlemen, um, let's now begin talking about the uh, the games we have in question. We'll go with Sir Joel first. Sir Joel, what do you have in store for us? All right. All right. So, um, again, in the Philippines, we tended to get a lot of Japanese games because we were basically next door to Japan. And um, my very first... Uh, uh, Jap exclusive game. I, I know it's kind of uh, it's weird for me to say that uh, uh, Jap because of the fact that you know, a lot of people now consider it. Uh, in this like, context, guys, yeah. when we say Jap games, mm. it's Jap games. Japanese. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, what it is. 
I can say it. I'm old because of the fact that was yeah, because that's how we used to say it back in the day. So if you get offended, well, you know, tough, tough cookies. But this, that's how I say it. Okay. So Japanese games that that are exclusive, uh, that are exclusive to the Eastern Hemisphere, stuff that we used to play, stuff that never came over to the United States shores. One of them, well, my absolute favorite is a game called Star Luster for the Japanese Famicom. Star, if if Joe can show the uh, the video of it. That would be most appreciated. But I'll just read the the description off of Wikipedia because it's the most accurate, it's the most succinct description that I that uh, that I can give for Star Luster. Star Luster involves moving through open space via a first-person cockpit view and engaging enemy ships. The player ship has limited fuel and can be refueled at bases. A map and radar show locations of enemies and bases. The player can choose a location on the map and warp to it with the current date changing based on the warp distance. The game using, uses a regenerating shield and may be the first game with such a mechanic. It's an amazing game that involves, well, for those of you who, like me, who grew up watching Star Wars, the original trilogy, I kind of accept the prequel trilogy, none of that sequel trilogy crap. But yeah, the original trilogy, when you used to imagine being in the cockpit of an X-Wing fighter, this game emulated that feeling perfectly. It's a first-person shooter game where you're inside the cockpit of a spaceship and you're shooting down enemies coming at you from all different directions. And uh, there's some enemies that are tougher to destroy than others. The blue enemies are are easy to destroy. One hit, they get destroyed. Purple enemies get harder and harder. And eventually, you come to this t- this kind of circular Death Star looking ship that shoots at you um, incessantly, and your shields take hits. You will you will uh, slowly but surely have your shields depleted. Your shields will deplete your um uh your what you call this your um your shields will deplete your um gasoline uh, for lack of a better word. Your gas might de- your your gasoline will deplete as well. And it's 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 um it's not just a shooter game. You're also managing your uh what you call this. You're also managing your uh what do you call this you're also managing your resources as you play through the game now it's not just the gasoline that you're managing it's not just the gasoline it's not just the um shields you're also managing the fact that you're if you get hit there's parts of your ship that will get damaged like your radar which if it gets damaged then the ship the ships in the center if you guys are watching the video portion of our podcast you can see how the game looks like here on 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 the screen uh you will shoot at enemies and if you're if those shots get at you the radar gets damaged you'll you'll find it <clears throat> you'll find it harder to find the enemies if, if your computer gets damaged it'll be harder to control the ship your engine if it gets if it gets damaged then you'll travel slower and every time that you travel from sector to sector of the of the game then it consumes time and the 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 enemies don't just stand still they will travel to your bases as you can see it here in the letter b these bases are important because you can travel to those bases and refuel your ship and repair your ship as it takes damage or loses an energy as, as you travel through the sector now it's not just a simple it's not just a simple um thing of of 
destroying enemies and managing your your resources it's also making sure that uh that the enemy doesn't eliminate the star systems that you'll be gathering keys from and when you gather all the keys then you will be able to uh unlock a secret secret stages to, to the game it's not it's It's very it's very deceptive in its simplicity. You think it's just a simple game. You think it's just one of those things where you, you pop in, you shoot enemies and then you're you're done. It's the kind of game that as you play, more and more things get revealed to you and you start to realize that this game is much deeper than you first thought it was. There's lots of there's lots of factors in play. And for us for a game that came out in the early part of the the Famicom, uh, the Japanese Famicom uh, life cycle, and because it never came into the U.S., it 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 is fascinating in that there's so many things that you realize is happening all at the same time, and when you do, it, it gets it gets it gets overwhelming at times, especially when you're going through what they what you call the the command experience, because you're already rushing to all the different sectors. That's one. If you guys are looking at the screen right now, there's that little Death Star thing that you have to pop or destroy at the end of every single invasion stage and you once that's done then you get to warp out to the next uh to the next invasion portion so it's it's simple it's 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 simple in its initial presentation but as you get through it it gets deeper and deeper there's more and more that you realize is happening all at the same time and it's good enough that it actually it was able to produce a sequel on the PlayStation which again never came to US shores it was a sequel called Star Ixium and it it incorporated a little bit more of a story and it's fascinating the fact that this is not just a standalone game it belongs to the Bosconian universe if you if you guys are arcade players If you guys are familiar with a game called Bosconian, uh, games like Galaxian, games like Galaga, things like that, it's all part of the same universe. It's it's pretty mind blowing that when I first played it, and actually, as well, later on, as I researched more about the game as I grew up, as when I was little, when I was young, I played the game incessantly over and over again. That I actually had to buy my own. Famicom cartridge so that I could play it over and over. But as I researched it, as I grew up, I learned so many things about it, like the fact that it belonged to an, a much bigger universe, and there's so many little things and secrets to it that it, it, you, it's one of those things it, as you re, it, that you think about as as when you grow up that wow i was sitting on a, a pretty much a gold mine as uh, when i was little and i didn't realize it so that's my first pick for a game of uh, that never came to us shores if you guys want a really good first person shooter uh game in a cockpit of a spaceship that you manage resources and you know edge of edge of your seat action much like if you're sitting in inside of the cockpit of an x-wing fighter or or the millennium falcon star luster is the game to look for is the game to play yes starluster and if you want a little bit more of a story check out the sequel on the playstation it's called star ixip so back to you joe if you guys have any questions uh, lay it on me. in in terms of uh, so starluster this is a uh oh i'm sorry this is a jp game i'm guessing mm, yeah <laughs> okay yes <laughs> i need is... to say jp game because you know mm. what guys so twitch flagged us mm. for using jap it all right did? so oh, i had to <laughs> Um, so, so I was a little bit preoccupied earlier. I had to I had to re-edit that into really? JP. 
exclusive games. Oh my right? goodness! Come oh, Twitch, on, Twitch, Twitch, Twitch is sensitive with it. our wording. I'm sorry. Oh man, I'm so, so sorry for that. So we, we, are, so we are saying JP, JP exclusive games now. All right, Twitch. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. I'm so sorry for that. But you know, I'm an oldster, so that that's how that's how we used to do it back in the old days. So you so speaking of Star Luster, um, so yeah. how's the controls like? What? Uh, so I'm guessing uh, you only got your directional, your D buttons. Yes. What does A and B do? A and B, uh, A and B mean uh, allows you to travel the ship forward. Uh, basically, A allows you to move the ship forward. You can change the uh, direction and you can kind of fly around in space in full 3D in full 3D uh, maneuvers, and um, uh, B allows you to shoot. Uh, if you're in the large map section, A allows you to travel from sector to sector, and B allows you to shoot a limited number of uh, what you call this um, ring missiles. I tend to call them ring missiles, so that you can uh, you can destroy enemies that are getting a little too close to the the bases or the stars. It's not just the base; it's also the stars that you have to defend, and it's a frantic way of trying to travel from one invasion portion to another, and you have to hmm. manage those circular missiles. Very, very carefully because they're limited. I think you're only you're only allowed ten per per uh, per run. And if you get right. really lucky, if you travel to a base, they might refill you. They might refill you some missiles. But it's a crapshoot. Honestly, there might come a time that you won't get anything. As in, they'll they'll just refill your fuel. They'll just renew your energy. But that's it. You, it's it's like it's really random what you get from base to base. Every Bosconian base that you go to is different, uh, and you're, you'll it'll just be a lucky thing. So it's really compact. It's really efficient in its design. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive the way that the 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 programmers distilled everything into how many buttons is that? Four buttons. Uh, one, two, uh, A, B, start and select into four buttons, and it made it such an efficient game that nothing is wasted there's no portion of the game that is wasted uh, it's well thought out it's very it's very well it's very well implemented as in if you get into it and if you understand its nuances you're not going to find a single moment's peace with it and some uh... people like it that way <laughs> So, so how about the movement though? So I can mm. see the crosshairs moving. So yes. what does the D button do? Like, does the D button move the crosshairs or the D button move the? Basically, the, the D button, yeah, the D button moves the entire ship, and the and the crosshairs move in the direction that you're moving mm. the ship too. So it can ah. move a little bit, a little bit to the right if you're moving the whole ship to the right. Basically, think the last Starfighter. If you if you're familiar with the game, uh, if the the movie the last Starfighter back in the 80s, it's a lot like that where you're. Uh, basically in the cockpit of the of the gunner of the ship but you're controlling not just the gunner portion of the ship you're controlling also the full ship movement so it's a little it's a little hard to initially uh, think about because no normally we're used to shooters having a fixed reticle in the middle uh, where you move the entire ship the, the reticle stays static the reticle in this game 
moves a little bit in the direction that you're moving the ship to. So you kind of have to adjust your your brain in that direction. But it it also kind of factors into your movement as well. It helps a little bit because the reticle is moving a little bit forward in the direction that you're moving. It allows you to shoot a little bit faster in the direction that you're supposed to be finding your enemy at. So it 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 I I, I kind of I, I I know it's 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 not really it's not it's not really a universal experience, but some people when they complain about lag or little differences in in movements in games, I I tend to think that's just your that's just your that's just your gamer brain being weak. You haven't you haven't really adjusted to quick as quick enough to how a game plays. Yeah. And some people when they complain, they want the game to adjust to them. No. As a gamer, you adjust to the game. And that's how I mm-hmm. I know a game like this is is not just thinking about the gamer experience, but it's thinking about the game itself. You're having you're you have to adjust to the way that the gun I want to say the gun star, but it's because it's because it's the last starfighter thing. But you have to adjust to the way that the ship for you to be able to maximize uh, the way that your ship can destroy the enemies. So that's how it moves. You move the ship forward. Uh, the reticle moves along with the ship, and you can move the directions that your ship is moving in full. It's almost in full 3D. The only cheat that I can think of is the ship. The enemies never shoot at you from behind in in this in this game. I mean, that makes it slightly easier. But then again. And it's already it's already pretty hard the way it is. If if the enemies were able to shoot at you from behind when you weren't looking, then it would be an unfair fight already. Right. Any um, other questions, gentlemen? Sir well, I've got a statement. I mean, it reminds me of a game I played about a decade ago. So it's modern, but when compared to this standard, it's mm-hmm. Star Fox Zero on the Wii. Star Fox Zero, yes. Mm-hmm. You know how we talk ah. about how typical is here. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. here in the cockpit. You've got your you got enemies coming towards your system much more advanced than this primitive thing, but <laughs> hey <laughs> let me finish. It's because of games like this, games like Star Fox Zero could happen. Okay. Mm. And this is actually a, an early concept of the fact that you've got a reticle, you've got your cop. The only difference is and where this game could have benefited, and this is really pushing the Famicom NES hardware to its limit. You can see, as you said, they're using all the buttons, they're really pushing it. The fact that you have to move your ship and the reticle. You know, it is a bit of a, obviously that was the hardware at the time, and this was probably really advanced even then, but now and today you can actually imagine somebody's got a stick here, another thumbstick here, and you've got one that will control the ship and one that will control the actual shooting aspect of it, and that's exactly what you can do with Star Fox Zero. Although, mm. that being said, people did complain about Star Fox Zero saying that's a bit too haphazard because you've got something playing on a screen here, you've got your, your Wii U screen here, you've got to look here and here. So sometimes these games can get really complex. So True. It's, it's about finding something that's simple. So even though you have that issue with the reticle having to move with the ship and how it's not always accurate, but you mm. can also imagine that in real, if you're trying to simulate real combat battle, think about it you can't like while you're moving the ship and you're a pilot you're not going to be able to have enough time to move to shoot at an enemy there in real life combat pilots have actually got the, the, you know, the barrel of the gun is probably right at the front where you're controlling it's a cool wooden move. so it's, it's an interesting one but that's that's to do with the game design but i think that for 1985 this, mm. this damco this um, piece of work came out you know, um, i think this is really really advanced for what it did it really did push it to the hardware and, mm-hmm. you know, stayed in japan is a shame because I think people in the West, the United States, would really appreciate. Uh, it really does push the NES hardware to, to its to its limit. But again, sadly, it is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it 
it did come out in a few compilations. If I remember correctly, it came out on the Namco NAMCO PlayStation One compilation as well. And um, let's see if. Uh, If I if I do recall, I, I think a few later compilations also. Let me see if I if I can remember that one. Yeah, um, it came out in a few compilations, and uh, you can still play it in in some other later later versions uh, as well. It's not just also on the Famicom. It also came out on the X sixty eight. 68,000 I'm not quite yeah, sure yeah uh, yeah. Uh, and the, yeah the sharp uh, a sharp console I never got to play oh, that one the computer no oh. yeah the sharp 68,000 was a computer that very wealthy people <laughs> buy then and okay. I mean well this thing was powerful actually Capcom themselves programmed Street Fighter 2 on this using the CPU oh. they used this to okay. actually make their arcade games And there was actually an X68000 Mini, which came out recently, but that wasn't. We don't have to talk about that. That mm. really, didn't really work out. But that 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 piece of hardware, such a big X68000, had some really good arcade ports that were even better than the arcade version. But mm. uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll assume that Star Luster on the X68000 may be better than the NES version. You also have the FM synth sound and all these other things there. But it was, you know, again. That that was the X68000 in a nutshell. Maybe in the future we may cover that. But look, that's another story altogether. That that game that you just showed is a, is a very good example. Of something that was beautiful, but we never got it. So, but now we can play in, in a whole variety. It's good that we discovered these trophies that Japan got. And we, oh, yeah. Good shout, good shout. Uh, with Sergey Dim, I, because Sergey Dim has played a few cockpit shooters back in his day. Um, any thoughts on this game, Sergio uh, DM? Yeah, it looks like uh, Wing Commander. Oh yeah. Um, and the ones that I've been playing um, in the early mid '90s, Terminal Velocity, where you can uh, you're in the cockpit, and um, I didn't even know that there's an actual game, uh, console game. Was it? Uh, mm. This is in Famicom, right? Yes. And that's before, way before. Wing Commander and Terminal Velocity, oh, yeah. and it also reminds me of um, Top Gun. <laughs> and, A little bit, yeah. That's I was, going, I was going to ask, how does this, how does this compare to other games like Top Gun? Mm, uh, Top I mean, Gun is almost any comic quality. Yeah, yeah Top game. Top Gun is almost rail shooter uh, because of the fact that your your range of motion is limited. You're keep you're going forward and you can only move a little bit this way or that way. Whereas in Star Luster, you can go full 360. Yeah, like it, yeah, you can go whichever direction you can go. Uh, you want to go. That's it. It's almost Are you required and to don't land the plane. Uh, well, <laughs> no, you don't you don't land the plane. No. Yes, JD, you you're about to say. Forward, yeah, I was it. about to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Are you required to um, land on the base? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Safety. You don't land the. Uh, the closest thing that you can do is you can you can align yourself at the base. If you don't align yourself at the base, then you can't get refueled. You remember in Top Gun, you, you kind of fly beneath a giant plane, and you kind you can get, get refueled that way. Uh, in here, you can you have to align yourself at the Bosconian base for you to be able to get regenerated with your shield. Your with your with you can get repairs and things like that. So yeah, about that's that. About the like, thing. Do you get replenished <laughs> with your energy and your shield? Mm. Of, uh, afterburner or something like that. 
And no, no afterburners. But in between, uh, in between invasions, in between enemy enemy groups, clusters, you can travel very quickly. You can warp speed. Basically, it's space, and you travel from point to point in space, and you have to travel warp speed in between uh, in between points. So that's about as close as turbo as you can get. Radio. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, so that was Star Luster. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what's the next game to go? All right, so this, the next game that I wanted to discuss is a game that I streamed long ago. JDM, JDM remembers the way the, the the time that I streamed this. I'm not quite sure if you were actually there during my live, JDM. But uh, the game that I wanted to talk about was Demolition Girl for the PlayStation yes. 2. Uh, yeah. 2021. <laughs> yeah, 2021. Oh my goodness. Who, who, wants, who wants to share this one? <laughs> I'll I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it. So, um, I'll, I'll just do it. I, strangely enough, I I tried to do a little bit of research, uh, and they didn't have a Wikipedia entry. I could be wrong on this one. My 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 Google fool might be absolutely wrong uh, for, on for this. What I can tell with Demolition Girl, it's mm. just a big ass like a forty foot girl. Yes, with a two piece on. Yes, two piece bikini yeah. on, mm. and. Uh, she's about to go Godzilla on everyone's ass. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really into the game based on the story. I'm. Oh. I'm. I'm. Consu- I'm focusing on something else. Yes, this is this is the description that I found. Demolition Girl is the story of a bikini model who gets bitten by an alien crab, which causes her to become a giant, and you must stop her. For some odd reason, this game and many similar ones were brought to Europe by 505 Games. So, it came to Europe. It it, it was available. Well, at, it was available. What kind of person do you take me for? For you think I buy this game? I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you haven't really had it in your inventory garage. <laughs> game thinking this is what you're doing bro uh, well that's the thing uh let me just share the screen then uh what was the if, peggy score though oh maybe that's actually why. that's a good question i i don't even know what the peggy score is let me see Wait, um it's three plus it's three plus in peggy rating. three I'm plus okay. on, on games launchbox it's three plus mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not even sure why she attacked is she really attacking the no she's frolicking just she's just enjoying herself she uh, right. it's it's a brain dead bikini model who oh so you can so you cannot really reason with her so. no you can't no, no she thinks she's like in um in a setting where she's supposed to be doing a photo a photography session in her bikini right and um I, i guess because of the fact that she got bitten by that alien crab and she fell asleep and she woke up 40 feet tall uh she imagined oh i'm on set already all these little buildings and everything i'm just going to enjoy myself and i'm imagining somebody is taking my photograph as i do it you know i'll go kick this i'll go kick this this car aside oh ow this 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 <laughs> helicopter shooting at me it might be part of the whole set so okay fine i'll go with it you know i'll give it i'll just run away from it like or something like yeah. that and, and she's <laughs> getting some media attention as well absolutely there's that too she's getting some attention to me now <laughs> I would. I would buy it. You know that. Ah, <laughs> I would. Buy weird games. Would. It's not even accurate. I don't see any gore or any chunks being thrown out of it. No, that's the thing. Uh, the stuff that you're shooting at her is supposed to be the experimental um, medicine that will allow her to grow shorter. That uh, will reduce her to 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 normal size. And so, they just happen to have that conveniently. 
Oh well, you know, maybe they captured the alien crab and they analyzed it. Like, oh, this is oh, they're like, that, oh yeah. shoot, there's a 14 foot skimpy bikini wearing girl out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did yes. do? Oh, uh, we have this. Uh, we have this drinking medicine that we were just chilling at the back. It does say anesthetic when you when you hit her anesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, there's in the earlier parts of the game, you're shooting anesthetic at her to try to calm her down. And I guess every anesthetic, time that you were aka Rufy. Yes. Okay. Fine. In, in a way, you're you're trying to do that. It's 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 the fact that you're doing their best to try to calm her down or slow her down from her rampage. And I'm imagining that in between stages she falls asleep, and you're doing you your research what? on trying to slow her. She'll be on the club. Short, she, should, make, she will go down at the club I'm, so fast. I mean, I mean if, if the government anesthetic's not working, maybe somewhere at the down down club okay. might be you know uh, maybe oh, some I'm ether. Right. Which suffice. What's fascinating is the age rating is three plus with Peggy. And mm. In Japan, it's twelve on the Sero rating, the Kero rating. So well, I'm makes- is the is the EU version being cleaned up, and is the Japanese version a bit more dirty? Uh, that's a that's a pretty good question, actually. We, you would wonder whether or not uh, whether or not something like this would have would have stronger standards of of control in oh, the European version. Oh, yeah, she yeah. went down, so I'm imagining she that you're down. Giggity, yeah. giggity. Yeah, <laughs> that you're supposed to be doing your research on how, how to reduce her size. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me confirm it, if she's really down. Mm-hmm. Let me confirm. The concept is unique. I mean, I've never mm-hmm. seen a game quite like this, but it just mm-hmm. looks like it could be an arcade game. Man. Yes, it. Mm-hmm. It uh, well, actually, if you're familiar with a game called Mr. Mosquito, uh, it reminds me a lot of mm-hmm. that because of the fact that in Mr. Mosquito, you're a tiny little mosquito trying to find vulnerable parts of a human to suck blood from. In this case, uh, you're trying to calm down a gigantic woman who's who's gone, who's you know, who's gone on a rampage, and you know, uh, you're trying to find a way to lessen the damage that she's causing. And you, there's there's lots of different there's lots of different things that you can do in terms of trying to. Uh, trying to maneuver but the fact that you're causing that you're trying to avoid damage that's being that's being caused to the the environment is 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 that's that's the thing that that was that was going to be the balancing factor of it wait one moment i think i'm i'm having a little bit of trouble with my with my video portion of it here i guess uh my internet is not cooperating but yeah basically that's the gist of how things go with a game Uh, called demolition girl can you shoot off her bikini though no, no, you cannot. No. <laughs> Three plus. What do you think? You know, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but... oh, here. There'll be a hack one day that will make a patch where you can do that. Obviously, like you know how they do the Street Fighter Six patches <laughs> with the with the special nude mods they have. Maybe they'll do that for you, just for you. But come on, man. Like you, there's better games than this if you want to play. And games. it's not. And it's not just. It's not just uh, the helicopter. You can also pilot yeah. jet fighters to fight off uh, alien invasion. You can you can cha- you can so, you so know, uh, run a tank. So she's escaping the base. I mean, mm. she's back here now. I mean, she's back outside. She just mm. got captured, and mm. now she's out again. What the hell happened? I'm imagining she's confused and she's angry. You know, like what the hell is everybody doing? This hurts or something like that. And and right. you as a tank, you're you're trying to shoot. Uh, you're trying to shoot the the girl with a little bit more sedative. You know, again, you're trying to roof her more, and um. 
the idea is that you're just doing your best to try to minimize damage. You're you're well, think of it as you know you're a regular soldier on a day-to-day uh, job in the base, and suddenly somebody tell your general tells you stop that forty-foot woman from going on a rampage, and you say <laughs> what the hell? Okay, fine, I'll just do this. Then. Why? <laughs> One hand. <laughs> Oh, there you go. So it, it's it's. I, I'm imagining also because of the fact of her of her increased size that she, her her uh, the toughness of her skin has multiplied immensely. So she can take bullet hits. Very tough skin, though. Yes, you mm. know, like missiles, <laughs> howitzers, nothing. Still yeah. very. Mm. Pretty, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's not even dirty or bloody. No. I mean, uh, here and to Viraj's point, it's weird, it's strange, it's the, it's not really the kind of game that you seriously think about playing. But for people like me, who's into the weird, the strange, the unknown, the obscure, it's a nice little distraction from all the serious stuff like The Witcher. Distraction, all right. Or you know, <laughs> like if you're playing The Witcher or Kingdom Come Come Deliverance or something. Sorry, sorry, what was that, Viraj? I wouldn't say it's, it's that distracting. It is too graphic. I mean, if it's more mm. like, yeah, but it, it, fan, it's, just, it's. I suppose it's it's unique, but it's not a game that I'd buy because it's too basic and boring. To be yes, rather, it's it's I'd it's rather, extremely basic. I'd rather play, I would rather play Rampage on the Masters. It's a similar mm. sort of concept. Isn't it? Yeah, um, when but, you stop and think about it. Yeah, yeah Rampage. Don't, yeah, don't believe what Serverat is telling you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yes, it, this, game have, this game would have probably sold more if it was actually a Rampage in three D. Mm, that's true. There'd be so many more elements to it. Well, you know what's better than a one forty-foot girl? Mm, Another forty-foot girl. Why they get battle each other out? Yes. Mm. Then it would remind me of a game called Robot Alchemic Drive. If you're familiar with a game called Robot Alchemic Drive, that would be the the concept that you would have. Uh, 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 what's that? Uh, uh, Mecha versus Kaiju. Something like that. You'd control yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. Uh, let her battle the crab. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. and so there. Her crab. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is my game number two. Uh, Demolition Girl for the PS2. It's one of those. Well, the, the PS2 had a library of small, weird, strange, and obscure games, and I, I absolutely loved that little corner of all the platforms because of the fact that it's not just the fact that it's it's uh, J- japanese or pal exclusive it's the fact that it's weird it's it's the fact that you're not as you're not as uh it's not as mainstream as as you think the console is the playstation being one of the most popular consoles of all time it's the most it's, popular. sorry what was that Raj? <laughs> it's the most popular console of all time PS2. there you go it's the most popular console of all time you, you it's kind of refreshing to think hey it has this little corner of it too that is not as shall we say pronounced as as most other uh, titles like the god of war series or something in this case you would say it's not just triple a titles it has this little corner too that caters to the 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 people who have a weird sense of humor like me so there Mm -hmm. so that's my game number two funny though i mean what's what's funny about this is this poor girl she's got Mm. foot and you're shooting at her man this is misogyny 101 isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i mean actually no i would argue i would argue that that is equality it to its in its finest because of the fact that you know you're not you're you're not you're not treating her with kid gloves she's causing damage so you're treating her just like any kind of other damage causing enemy would be whether she's a female or a male that's what happens yeah 
a girl on a bikini. Exactly. So you're giving her equality, right? Well, in the context of the game, mm. yes. Okay. Nah. <laughs> Why would you make a game like this? Let's be honest. You've mm. created this environment so you could just have an excuse to shoot this poor little girl, man. That's what it is. I mean, no. When you, I mean, it would. Would it be much more? Actually, I would say that it would, in a way, that would be much more misogynistic that you don't allow. For girls like this to be featured as an it. enemy. <laughs> we got we got John and Ten saying, would I, in a bikini, would, would I? Try, would, I would I? Would I? Would I try to shoot and kill Godzilla, or would I try to shoot? In, or would I try to shoot down this forty-foot girl in a bikini? No, mm. actually, that's a thing. Uh, in a way, you're being nicer to this girl because in Godzilla, mm. with Godzilla, you're already shooting him with nukes. Yeah, Whereas this girl, you're shooting her with people. sedatives. He'll eat you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, there you go. So, again, it's not misogyny. You're being nice to this girl we by shooting her with sedatives. <laughs> we are stopping the girl from causing harm to others and causing harm to herself. Yes, exactly. So, so, it's not misogyny. just trying to bring back Bring her back to her senses. Yeah. Never, bring her back to her senses. <laughs> okay, There's a reason it didn't come out in America, and I can understand why. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, would it be any different if we just make a, a 40-foot dress so she's not going to be dressed up like that? Misogyny. Because you're treating her special. <laughs> you're treating her special. <laughs> the whole premise of this game is stupid. What's yes, it is. Absolutely. Did you pay for this piece of crap when it came out? I remember I in the shop. I mean, I, I worked selling PlayStation Two back in those days. I never even saw this game on the shelves in all the shops, and there were like three of them in the mall. That, and I'd, I'd have remembered something. Mm -hmm. And it obviously must have had a limit. It was crap even for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the fact that it's three plus meant that the Japanese version might have been a bit dirty, maybe because the Japanese one was twelve. Mm -hmm. might I don't know. I don't maybe know. I'm not well, sure. Actually, was, I... it was back in the on the two thousands. This is mm -hmm. even before Me Too was a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So that's fine. Uh, how about you, Sergio Dem? Any thought? Any any other thoughts about? <laughs> Aside from it being like an episode of Twilight Zone, uh, mm. the Twilight Zone, mm. uh, I saw here that the model in the game Riho Futaba was a playable character in a game called uh, One Champion, or uh, in Europe, it's Zombie Hunters. Oh, Odenshin Bara, yeah. Oh, I don't think I ever played that series. Actually, I've seen it, but I've never really played through it. So I'll have to, I'll have to get my hands on a copy sometime. Ah, get my hands on them. <laughs> so there. And that game was another um, unreleased game in the U.S. As I can hear. Mm -hmm. uh, for the PS2 version. The yeah, because later on, I think I do remember it being released in PS4 format. I could be wrong on that one. Onishan Barra Z, I think, uh, PS4. Yes. Mm, yeah. Uh, there's a game on the Wii, uh, there's a game on the PS2 and Wii. That's the first one, mm. and then the PS4. Mm -hmm. That's a port. There you go. So those are my those are my two games: Star Luster for the Japanese Famicom, and Demolition Girl that came out in Japan and in EU. So those are my two um, uh, PAL and Japanese exclusive games. All right, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> for you all, very nice, very nice selections that you got yeah. there. <laughs> How about PDM? what you got? Right, for me, I got a couple of um, PS1 games. Mm. Uh, going back to the um, original PS1, 
for my first game, it's going to be uh, Fun Goku Ninden from ICOM in hmm. 1996. Um, ICOM was a subsidiary of um, Jaleco or ICOM, hmm. A-I-C-O-M. And uh, let me just send you the title. Mm-hmm. Forgot to send the title. Oh, okay. Uh, the game was... uh, which system? Fun Goku Ninden. So um, as as we're doing that, as we're uh, doing the technical aspect, I'd like to say hi to the people in the chats first. Mm-hmm. Romel Bencillo, who just typed in exclamation point. Notify Romel Bencillo. And of course, Orange Coffee on Twitch. Good evening, sirs. Good evening. Thank you very much for being here, Orange Coffee on Twitch. And um, let's see. Uh, and then, as as Viraj mentioned earlier, that's Jomar, Jomar who says, why would you hurt a girl in a bikini? Jomar, you're not hurt her you're just trying to sedate her you're just trying to make sure that she's you know she's gonna fall on all those buildings which is filled with glass you're gonna cut her beautiful skin man. well there you go see you want to make sure that she's not hurting herself you know it's like you're her running around the she's gonna hurt herself because you're exactly her. yes precisely so you're being nice you're being kind <laughs> It seems that he's he's much more concerned with the girl in the bikini than the. I mean, I mean, you know why these games were exclusive in the regions, and you know why that one was. It was crap. That's why. Maybe a went down in America, or this wasn't there. That was the reason, or whatever. Or they the developers didn't have money, but no, no, it's because this was crap. There's that. I mean. That's, that's that's the thing about exclusivity. That there's lots of reasons for a game to be exclusive. There might be because of the fact that uh, the the publishers decided this isn't going to sell in a particular region. There might be the fact that the 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 there might not have been enough marketing for it. You know, not enough mm. budget for the marketing for it. There might have been a there might have been a, uh, um, licensing issues for certain games. Certain games yeah. might not be allowed to be released. Like like um, Super it's, Robot it's, Wars can can't be released in certain regions. So, licensing. But in compared to this bikini crap, yeah, there's licensing. <laughs> okay. This game cost peanuts to make. Yeah, absolutely. And but then again, I absolutely love it for that fact. For the for the fact that it's weird, that it's strange, that it's perverse. It, it's just when you stop and think about it, the 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 mere <laughs> idea that somebody was silly enough to try to make it and have it come out on the system is it, it, I I have to give I have to give a salute to whoever had the 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 hohones to do it. So I have to I have to respect that. <laughs> So what's this game playing here? This is your your game, JDM on the PS or whatever. Mm. Ah yes, uh, the PS one. It's uh, Fun Gokunin then in Japanese, and I think it's called The Adventures of Monkey God. Mm. Yes, it may, uh, you can see uh, Sun Wukong uh, as the main character yeah. there, uh, the Monkey King, the Monkey God. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not just um, Sun Wukong who's the um, protagonist here. He also had these friends. Like in the, uh, if you're familiar with the novel um, Journey to the West. Journey to Sayuki. the West, yes. Mm-hmm. When, when was this game? Yeah, yeah. Sayuki, yes. What, what um, it was released in 1996, but I first played oh. it around 97 when I Uh, when we first bought it, mm-hmm, and right. it appealed to me, and because of the uh, the graphics, um, this is a action platformer game, mm-hmm. uh, like Super Mario, uh, 
Sonic and those other platformers mm-hmm. and it looks like a game that you can play on a Mega Drive or uh, SNES and Pretty it's simple but yeah, <laughs> it, it's, yeah it's simple but it uh, really plays great the graphics the visuals looks good um, the controls are not so complicated unlike the um, unlike playing uh, Symphony of the Night Mm-hmm. that you have a lot of um, buttons to uh, press to do some special moves here you can just uh, you can execute a special move by just pressing the L1 or the R1 button and there are three protagonists and Wokong uh, you have uh, Sagojo and Hakai each with their uh, Gojo, special Hakai, weapons yeah. and yeah the and it runs in 60 fps it looks good it looks um great especially if you're playing on a old crt tv and it looks childish but it's very challenging um okay here and you have a different um variety of enemies and you have uh, the enemies um it varies it here in the first few levels you can see a frog even a panda Who's uh, uh one of the final boss is he? Ah, uh, I mean the stage boss is a panda. As you saw earlier, it's uh there was a like a honeybee. It's the first boss in the game, and then as you progress, you find like robots, uh, barbarians, even a vampire, and then you go to the last stage and you see this. Um, I forgot the name of the final boss, but. He looks like um, a wizard, and yeah, and this game it appealed to me as a kid back in 1997 because um, when I uh, back then I didn't have the SNES and, or the Mega Drive. I I was only familiar with arcade games and the Famicom, and I got introduced to Super Mario, and then. Uh, some other games and this appealed to me because it I was brought back to my childhood because um, I didn't even know that uh, there's also platformers for the PS1 then I discovered uh, shortly after I discovered uh, Tomba mm. and those other um, what right are two, two point yeah uh, two uh, 2.5D Games. Funny thing, they even have mahjong tiles falling from the from the ceiling. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> when I first saw that, um, okay. I was really hey, that's that's a mahjong tile there, and then yeah. you can see the um, this panda throw uh, like a walk or something mm-hmm. that you can actually throw back back at him. So you. Oh my gosh! Him. Racism. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, for those of you who are not in the know, the the, the Journey to the West uh, books uh, books uh, were part of the classic Chinese series, along with the Romance of the Three Kingdoms and uh, the, the, the 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 Outlaws of the Marsh series. Uh, it not, it's not as popular in the West, surprisingly. But then again, you know, a lot of a lot of classical literature from the East hasn't made its way to the West just yet. But this is really popular. Popular, uh, the Journey to the West saga, because it was also the basis for the anime, you know, 
Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. You can see why this was exclusive in Japan because it's designed for a Japanese audience. You mm. know? Another thing as well, I remember um, reading on, and I don't know if you guys can verify this as well. This is mm. like Sony PlayStation president. And when the PlayStation came out in 95, um, and this is, this is basically this thing, which is we don't want any 2D games on our platform when they're more to be 3D. That's yes. why like, a lot of like PAL exclusives like Mickey Mania mm. and uh, Jim, they were only in the PAL regions rather than in the um, American because they really wanted to push the 3D graphics of the system to show that we're like the 3D platform. Because that's mm. something that Sega Saturn weren't exactly full on board with, apart from Virtua Fighter and, and some other mm. games that released. So they really want to show the 3D chops of the system. So mm. a game like this, 95, 96, what you said when this came out. Mm. So first of all, to be honest, I think the real reason is it's a Japanese-themed game for a Japanese, and that's why I never made it. Mm. Uh, I would say the Americans got a, a game something similar to this. It's mm. called Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like it, plays like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't say it play. It has that graphical style, you know. But I yeah. wouldn't say it play, obviously Donkey Kong Country is its own thing, and even the, the Mega Drive had Vector Man, which had Vector Man, yeah, mm. Vector Man. Sort of look to it. This is obviously graphically better than both those games. Mm. Do the PlayStation can do more. You can see the game can do a lot more. And again, it's, it's its own game in its own respect. But I think. You know, 1996, were 2D platformers the in thing at the time? No, you're right. Virage is correct on that one. PlayStation had an emphasis on 3D graphics and polygonal things back then. Don't get me wrong, they had some great 2D stuff like Abe's Odyssey. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I really loved Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus. Abe's really- Odyssey, yes. Those, those are problem-solving 2D sort of, I wouldn't say platform, mm-hmm. I'd say they're more puzzle platform style games. But you also had stuff like Rayman that came out on the PlayStation. They did have the mm-hmm. odd things you mentioned doing RFD and things like that. So you did have the odd ones. Some enhanced Mega Drive Super Nintendo games that look better in, on, on the PlayStation hardware. I think Lion King even had an, uh, a PlayStation release, although it was a Mega Drive game. So mm-hmm. they did actually port, it made enhanced ports of those 16-bit games on, on the PlayStation platform. Uh, and let's not forget arcade ports they managed to, to really do do justice but I, I think again hey they have the kinton cloud right there uh, if you're if you're familiar with dragon ball z there's the kinton yeah. cloud, <laughs> cloud. The references you got all that there i'm thinking would it have appealed to a western to buy this mm-hmm. um but no it's an interesting game and i'm sure it's a very good game because i never played it but it looks mm-hmm. very interesting it's just- yeah you might you might want to try it uh yeah. sometime and uh the only bad thing that i could think uh, uh, about this game is after you play it long enough it makes you kind of dizzy because uh, back in 97 when I first played it um, I finished the game but mm. right after I felt um, motion sick being said a lot of playstation games well actually a lot of games in the fifth generation era era would make you think because they mm. were trying oh uh i forgot to mention is one of our criteria for this episode games that you can play despite not being able to read uh japanese script yes mm. Mm. there you go mm. there you go okay all right nice but in this this in the in in this game's case uh there's not much dialogue there, there are cut scenes but it's like there's only two cutscenes. I I mean three. Mm. It's just the opening movie, then some uh, mid-game cutscene, then the ending. Mm. Okay, and you can easily figure out what they're saying during those cutscenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. 
Nice choice, nice choice, Jirim. Uh, I it certainly does look like something that I would play as a platformer, and of course, my familiarity with the Journey to the West book series and uh, the, the 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 culture is is something that would lend uh, itself to to my enjoyment to the enjoyment of uh, playing this if if I were to go through. All right, there you go. So, um, you know, I guess uh, that that's uh, that's JDM's choice. First choice, Fun Goku Ninden. And uh, what is your second choice, JDM? Yes. Uh, before we proceed with the second game, let me just uh, read some comments mm. here from yes. Marlon Hurtado Lescubides. He said mm. earlier that Parodius and Twin B is are exclusive mm. Japanese shoot 'em up games, but I think they got Twin B in a 3DS, but they released it in North America. Yeah. Uh, port. Yeah. Mm. And he also mentioned uh, Bakusokyodai uh, and Let's Go Eternal Wings is an exclusive Japanese racing game based on Koro Koro comics and anime series. Ah, I really yeah. have to get into that. In in Pinas, we called it um, the, the the Tamiya series, right? Mm. The the, the yes. Tamiya race car series, Let's and know. it was huge back then. Like everybody was racing those mini RC cars uh, and it, it was it even got so popular i think that that in in the yakuza series they have this little pocket circuit fighter mm. mini game and i absolutely love that i love the i love the pocket circuit pocket circuit series and you know it, it it's fascinating that it can come out in yakuza but it doesn't have its own translation uh the original playstation one eternal wings game in into english it's just too bad all right back to you jdm all right so thank you so much uh marlon for your comments and i think we also have let's see uh mm-hmm. sir frederick with he mentioned earlier dana my suggestion for eastern hemisphere exclusive is dana i'm not really familiar yeah, dana. Light, oh. yeah. it's, it's basically a japanese mega drive game um but mm-hmm. it's a really exciting action platform a side scroller and it's mm. like it's a good game it looks like it's something developed by a wolf team or telnet I, i don't know if it was, it was a an obscure developer that made this game um but it's, it's a very good one actually one worth checking out. i think it's it's had a, it's got an english translation patch as well not that you need it but you can play it mm. without it but you have that you can patch it. Um, and we'd also like to say hi to neil 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 trinidad of neil chills on twitch hey neil it's hi. great to see you thanks very much for being here good evening he says and we're very happy to have neil chills from twitch here watching our show as well all right uh jdm continue So let me just mention uh, one of my uh, honorable mentions for the PS1 oh, yeah. exclusive um, PAL, actually Japanese uh, Japanese exclusive game. It's called Ganbara Goemon Kurunarakoi Aishige Ika no Kurokagen. It's a mouthful. And the yeah, translation is, is <laughs> uh, the translation is Do your best, Goemon. If you come, love the Dark Shadow of the Aishige family. Not mm-hmm. sure. Konami game, isn't it? Konami. Yes, it's a Konami game, and it was only released in Japan. And unlike um, the one that's in Nintendo 64, uh, Mystical Ninja. Legend of the Mr. Uh, Mystical yeah. Ninja. It was actually a, there was a SNES yeah. game. It was a SNES game, and there was also a number of sequels of the Go- Gumbara Goemon series that continued on to yeah. but they were exclusive as well. And even on the NES, which is where this guy debuted it, it was a Famicom exclusive. So Gumbara Goemon is, is a Konami sort of mascot, but only for mascot. Japan, predominantly. Yeah. You could, I would say he's, he's their mascot, but he, he's one of their main sort of 
crew and one of the main characters. There's features in this game called Konami Crazy Races on the Game Boy Advance, and that's where I, I knew, who is this guy? And I realized he was in The Legend of the Mystical Ninja, which is the Western iteration of his series, but we very rarely do, do we ever get that. And again, I don't think it was Konami wanted to. Why? He, he, him, being a hero that he is, and his series stayed in Japan, which is a shame because they are really, really good games. They're really good games, but we, we never got them. And I have played through, they're a lot of fun. Now, you're talking about the PlayStation version, which I'm not familiar with, so please can... So that's the um, Ganbarai Goemon on the PS2, uh, PS1 is um action platformer game, this time in 3D. It plays like, if you're familiar with uh, Brave Pencer Musashi, oh, it yeah. plays like that, but... Um, You play as uh, Goemon and his friends. You can choose uh, one. Uh, there are four characters that you can play. And the funniest thing with this game is you can play... Um, you do this... Um, uh, oh. <laughs> roaming in the town. Then all of a sudden, you play as this gigantic robot that you um, fight. With uh, other robots, uh, although I'm not sure why suddenly it became like that because of the lack of um, English translation, mm-hmm. and that's one of the memorable um, Japanese-only games that I've played. So what uh, you're saying, JDM, is that Naruto in got shit on Goemon then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. you know Goemon has giant robots, and I don't think Naruto ever had that. <laughs> oh. They they can summon a, like a giant. Frog, but not uh, this uh, gi- gigantic robot. <laughs> Super robot, funny. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I want to see the robot from this uh, Gambare Goemon game and Miss Riho Potaba from Demolition. Game. <laughs> <laughs> what duke it out? Oh, she she wouldn't even she wouldn't uh, she wouldn't even break a sweat. She would just you know destroy it. You know, <laughs> I my my I'll break that on. sweat. There you go. <laughs> My money's always on Demolition clip? Girl. <laughs> My okay, money will so... always be on Demolition Girl. There you go. All right, All right. continue, JDM. Okay, so uh, another contender for the Japanese-only game, Pepsi Man. Pepsi oh, Man is on yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, God damn it. I, I'm really not quite sure why it was only a Japanese uh, Japanese which, game which is so weird because the cutscenes are purely in English too it, it's yeah, some it's... American grabbing Pepsi off of the refrigerator and laughing it up watching TV well, you know it's, I it's, think it's, yeah. it could be because of licensing mm, yes licensing. that's the reason yeah. like, yeah. maybe maybe they're just trying to promote uh, Pepsi more in Jap- Japan oh, because they, or- they, or- they already have their market in the US and mm-hmm. in uh, Europe so why that's not that's true that's Japan? true and of course an honorable mention because of the fact that Neil Chills is watching right now you guys should watch his amazing stream <laughs> of Pepsi man uh, to this day Day, it is one of the very best live streams I've ever watched because of the fact that you can see the absolute frustration with every single bad thing that happens to him. So, props to Neil Trinidad of Neil Chills and his run on Pepsi Man. You guys should check out his page. All right, back to you, JDM. And, and what was your saying back then? If he hadn't have uh, like a heart condition back then, <laughs> yeah. he, he does now. 
Yes. <laughs> there you go. Neil Chill says hellish game. Yes, very true. But it provided tons of entertainment for the audiences, Neil. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for streaming this game. It was amazing. It's fun for those who are watching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> never but never fun for the playing. And by the way, the video is still up in oh, Facebook. Yeah. You can check Neil Chill's. Yes, check it out. Honestly, it's so much fun. I mean, for the audience anyway. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to the second game that I have. Uh, Mm. I just recently discovered it and it's uh, it's a game called Brightest. Still for the PS1 in 1991 from uh, uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, incorporation. So, Brightest is an um, action RPG game. Brightest. Uh, you spell bright then with I then a net. Mm-hmm. Brightest. Okay. It's an um, action RPG game. Oh. Uh, I recently discovered it because I found some Reddit, uh, Reddit forums and they one of the um, Redditors uh, they right. suggested this game and when i played it it looks like uh, uh, i know why you like this and a place like big grand story it, yeah it looks like big grand story actually and... no it reminds me of fighting force if you're familiar with fighting force for the playstation one uh yeah it's like that it's but instead of a beat them up they have this uh, level up system mm-hmm. they have a magic system so it's an action rpg Okay. And uh, what I, uh, my first impression of the game is if you're familiar with the From Software game called uh, Kingsfield, the mm-hmm. one with, um, the one with the, the one that's a uh, dungeon crawler, first person uh, uh, dungeon crawler. Hmm. It, it, this is like this game, but this time it's third person, like Big Run Story, or I think this is like, one of the precursors of um, uh, Dark Souls or Demon mm-hmm. Souls because it, the monsters are they don't roam uh, monsters don't roam around but when you encounter them you need to maneuver outmaneuver them and you mm-hmm. need to hit them specific uh, like uh, strategically so you mm-hmm. can defeat them okay. it's like this game but um the only downside is since it was only released in Japan, mm-hmm. it didn't have um, tran- a, tran- uh, a translation. Uh, translation. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. what I did when I first tried this game, I I got my phone here. Google and yeah. find there's a cutscene. I do the uh, Google Lens. Mm-hmm. You just uh, you just. Translate. Uh, aim it at the yes. Yeah, as it, as per Jaws' recommendation, I've started doing that as well. It, it looks like it's you know it's it's doable that way. It's doable. Very inconvenient, but hey, that that's all we have so yeah. far. And the worst thing is, unlike in uh, JRPGs, you can press the button to skip. Uh, you can uh, you can um, you can't. Uh, what do you call this? Mm-hmm. You can display the the text on the screen long enough so you can do a translation but in this game it scrolls up so oh, okay. it doesn't stay on the screen for long mm. so you may you might miss some of the uh, dialogue oh but that's too bad as long as you have the uh, the translator then 
you can have the idea where to go next or what the this person is um, trying to say talking about trying mm-hmm. to say yeah mm-hmm. and uh, it really appealed to me because it really looked like vagrant story and mm. this came out in uh, 1998 mm. so this is before vagrant story this is pre vagrant story and I think this is the time where they're just trying to figure out the analog controls because right I you can't control the camera using the right analog stick you can you just um, fix uh, I mean you can control the camera only with the shoulder buttons like the L2 oh and so this is pre dual shock I think the dual shock was already Uh, out back in 1998, in yeah, but in, they, in terms they, yeah. of the design of this game, yeah, yeah maybe they're probably... just trying to figure out the mm. um, analog controls. Yeah, they hadn't standardized the way that the the way that certain controls would have gone back then. There were weird control system, uh, control schemas back then. Like yeah, yeah because I remember were... Wild Arms, they didn't really use the the dual mm-hmm. uh, yes. the, the L3 L the L3 R3. Mm-hmm. With Wild Arms One, you just control everything with the shoulder buttons and the D buttons. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. And that came out like '97, '96, And I really, uh, it would be really great if it if this has been released outside of Japan. Maybe it will make um, uh, make it more profitable in the US because um, there's a lot of RPG games in the PS One. I think one of the best. Um, RPG uh, consoles that you can play in RPGs on the PS1. So I, it's really sad that they didn't uh, release this outside yeah. of Japan. I have to say, the PS1, great. the PS1 has a has a treasury of lot of great RPGs, action RPGs, and turn-based RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you to th- consider that there are a lot others, there are a lot of other action RPGs and turn-based RPGs that never got ported or never got translated. It's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive. That's one of the reasons why we're delving into the PAL uh, Japan library today because we want to find out about all these games that we never got the chance to play or even heard about. Mm. Yeah. What game am I? Uh, what game do I remind this of? Uh, Guardian Crusade. Oh yes, there. One. Mm. Um, what else? The second Alundra. Mm. Sure. Uh, Um, what else? Uh, what is that? Uh, bl- bl- Blazing Blade. Oh, kind yeah. of. I mean, <laughs> not of. as blocky yeah. as uh, not as blocky mm. as that one, but this was nineties, uh, the late nineties. Uh, what else is? What else was there? Um, I want to say what's the uh, um, be- no, no, not Beyond the Beyond because Beyond the Beyond is a little bit two D ish. Yeah, Beyond the Beyond was reminds me. Yeah, is more of the the Golden Sun type of game. No, so, yep, yeah, that's it. Brightest. Well, I have to remember this one. Who knows? Maybe somebody might come out with an English patch of it sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, less, uh, more obscure games have gotten English patches. Maybe mm-hmm. this one might get it in the future too. Maybe we should check romhacking.net and have a look. Mm. <laughs> I'm already at one. I'll give that a shot. Yeah, definitely. But in terms of uh, loading time, Sergio, then because I can see all, there's a lot of dungeon crawling in there, and a kind of a little bit open world-ish in terms of the dungeons. I mean, uh, oh. does the load times 
because PS One, of course, are very notorious for their loading loading times. Like, uh, do the dungeons just spontaneously show up, or are there any instances that it just go goes to black just to load the next stage over? Um, as what I could remember, um, there are areas that you could go to. Then there's a like a 15, 30 second loading screen, and mm-hmm. then, uh, but I'm not really sure because. I was playing this on my PS3, and, right? And it's on the hard drive, so I'm not exactly sure how it loads when you play it on an actual PS1. But for me, it's just 15 to 30 seconds. Then it um, loads. Then I think that's a quick one, uh, mm. the loading thing, because yeah. I didn't um, see much of the um, the outside. It's mostly when I um, when I played it, it was mostly inside the dungeon or something. You see, like, this is what I don't get with some of the Japanese games. Like, like you see there, now loading. It's in Hindu Arabic. Mm-hmm. Then why not just make it the whole game like that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> because that now loading is 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 a standard English uh, translation and everything else. They probably couldn't afford. Uh, English oh. translators back then. Oh, because the, oh, apparently the Japanese people can only read now loading, and then that's yes. it. that's mm-hmm. all the English that they know. <laughs> I mean, heck, you, there there's <laughs> Japanese uh, there's Japanese words that you can read, uh, like you know, even if you don't, don't read a lick of Japanese, like at the very end of an, any anime episode, like the the little thing at the very end that says to be continued, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I think the they. Uh, the design, the level design, they try to minimize it. Like it, it's dark, mm-hmm. so you can load the um, the other areas a um, little bit faster. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's like that's, um, a, that's a pretty good way of thinking about it. Uh, what do you call this? Like a setting in those games, you can make the this draw distance. Mm-hmm. They made it uh, nearer. So you can um, the system could load up the other um, uh, areas of the game when you get to the uh, much more closer. All right, that's very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I think that's the um, limitation of the PS One before. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that, sir. JDM. So, so that's it's, it. Brightest. Uh, Yes, brightest for the PS1 and Phone uh, Goku Ninden or The Adventures of Monkey God in 1996. He left a chest. That's going to bother me. He left a chest underneath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before you go and look maybe, it's a, maybe it's a one of those chests that, you know, that, that needs a special key. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, uh, Rewrite, you were about to say. No, no, it's, it's all very interesting stuff, you know, those now. I mean, there's a reason why they were locked to the Japan region. I can sort of see it because the hint is in the genre of the game. Action RPG. Mm, RPG that's true. Even, let's be honest. A lot of them back in the '90s, even in PlayStation era, a lot of them stayed in Japan because that genre was actually favored for a Japanese audience. Japanese people mm. love RPGs. True, that is their thing. It never really took off. Let's be honest here. Until Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah, that, agreed. You know, mm. It was just one of those games that was marketed for people. Then started to get JRPG because. Oh, Final Fantasy VII. You, you, you speak to a lot of Western gamers. Their first RPG was Final Fantasy VII because of the hype around I mean, that. I can, under, in- I can understand with the Japanese people. I mean, after after post World War II, all they've been doing is just work, home, work, 
work at home, work at home, work at home. By doing role playing games, kind of gives them a sense of like an escape to a reality, mm. like adventure mm. games, the fantastical. So it's it serves as kind of serves as their outlet. I mean, compared to the West, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, um, the West, the West, the Western people are are like that, but there's a lot more things going on compared to the what happened with with the Japanese back then. I mean, forget forget PlayStation. Look at the Sega Saturn. Most of its the, most of the RPG library we never even got to touch. Like, there's so many games on the Saturn that's just locked to Japan, you know. And then RPGs. There are RPGs like, for example, Shining Force Three had three chapters, and we only got the first one in the West because of the lackluster sales of the Saturn in the West. Shining Force actually three actually had two extra parts that only Japan got. We never even got to touch them. That's just one example of RPGs that were. We're locked in Japan. Magic Knight Raiders, and 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 so onwards. You know, I could go on and on. Ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> we're on about talking about the Saturn itself. We could we could have a whole episode just on that. There's just so many games that we have to get through. But um, um but yeah, are, are we done with, with JDM? You, we finished with yours. So is it is it me now? Is it my turn to talk about? Yeah, oh, oh, here we go. So this is the rest of the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you need me just like Ryan Reynolds. Well, just like Disney needs Ryan Reynolds right now. Okay? Oh, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, oh um, but. For Before that, I'd like to say hi to Baron Aroyka Gami Tagle on Twitch. He's asking, "You're back now, Gatito Joel?" Yes, uh, Gami, I'm back here in New Jersey. It's just too bad I never got the chance to see you while I was there. Who knows? Maybe in the near future, you and I will get the chance to see each other. Back to you, Viraj. Right. So there's a number of systems and platforms I'm going to talk about, but um, and there's one actually that's just come off come up at the top of my head. I don't know if I'll have time. So we'll begin with the first one, and that's for the Sega Master System. Okay, we don't really talk about much. About that platform for travesty, and that's for obvious reasons. It wasn't popular in Japan. Definitely wasn't popular in the Philippines. It was like mm. pretty much a dominant platform here for us in Europe and and in the Brazil area. So um, the game that I'm going to talk about is a game called Scrambles. 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 Yep. So it was a uh, uh, originally a 1988 uh, shoot 'em up developed by Sega. Okay, it's in house by them, and. Um, You know, though it never, you know, sort of reached the success of shooters from Konami, like GB1942, or Compile the LS series. Um, you know, having, it, you know, because it was released on Sega System 24 hardware. So at the time, the graphics were far more detailed than its rivals. So very nicely polished, that high scramble graphics. Scramble. Scramble. Is it? Scramble. Series. There you go. I saw it. A system for so the arcade game was actually very detailed. And it looked really nice. It was a, a vertical, sh- and you know it had numerous ports. Um, the Master System being the main one of the arcade, but it was also ported to the microcomputers. You know, you got the Amigas of the day, the Amstrad, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, um, the MSX and the ZX Spectrum, etc., etc. So there were a number of them, but it was it was the Master System. Okay, um, there was actually a yeah, it was actually planned to have an American in December 1989, but for whatever reason, because I've tried to look up why it wasn't in America, <laughs> I can't think about it. It's probably because the Master System was just ailing in America, and they thought, no, nah, what's the point in, in this particular game? So yeah, this is the arcade version of the game. I mean, look how beautiful, it's stunning, even for, for today's standards. You know, and this was what the 1980s they were coming out with this. One thing I like about Sega is they did make their games look now. Again, people think, well, what is this? This is just a 1942 ripoff. Let's just play 1942 instead. And I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But because I mean, this was actually very high tech. It's probably a lot more expensive for arcade owners to buy than just stuck with 1942. And what makes this game any more different? I mean, the only real difference, um, you know, between 1942, you know, you do pilot a plane and you do fire ahead. And you can launch bombs for ground, you know, to attack ground units like Zevia, which is. Um, 
uh, an Anfo shooter on, on the Nez, if you remember, you got ground units as well. You also have a little bonus stage you can land on the attack parries. So you had these, you know, it did have its unique selling points, but, you know, there wasn't much different from the shooter at the time. And I think that's where it really struggled game faction, but it was a great game in its own right. I mean, its main criticisms is that the projectiles that are being shot at you were quite small, and that was a thing. Um, let's see if we can get a video of the Master City, because this is actually a very good-looking arcade port. And the one I'm talking mm. about is the Master port. Um, yeah. You had. So, um, Most paused movie scenes. I'm sorry, that, that I'm just, I just got <laughs> distracted by Joe's <laughs> a little... <laughs> Little there you go. Over there. <laughs> the masters, there we go. Look, much more primitive. A year later, we got this thing here. Now, even even then, I'll still say it's a good looking for the masters. Um, and again, uh, lovely. Like it had six stages. wasn't the biggest, like longest game in the world. But it had a lovely harmonious um, soundtrack. Obviously, you can't really hear the sound. No, it doesn't so. look so bad actually compared to the arcade version. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it was scaled back for you got system 24 to 8 bit, you know, so scaling it back, yes, but it's there. But as you can see, the projectiles are small. You've got these little um, uh, planes that you can get to be a little sidekicks, and you can actually make them do kamikaze attacks. That's the, that's the only attack that you have. You don't have any bonus weapons or power bombs and things like that. Um, it's just mm. Yeah, because what do we got before? We, we got Twin B, we got yeah. Galaga, we got B Wings. Yeah, I mean, this is. This Compared is to this. But I think. You know, you got like so many other great shooters that were even on the Master System platform as well. Like, you know, you got the um, Power Strike, which is a less, which is basically a less series. What people were really into, I think, for, for the time. But this, this is, you know, this was popular in, in the UK to, to much extent, and it only ever had a power release. It wasn't even released in Japan, strangely enough. You know, we, we only ever got it in, in Europe, and I think that's because the Sega Mark III again wasn't very successful in Japan. You know, the Mars System's main main dominant region was in Europe, so why not support the European nations? And I believe that's why we got this, and they did, and the Americans. So there you go. But again, as I was mentioning, a beautiful soundtrack, which is very um, blissful, but also melancholic at the same time. I mean, how the composers did that, I don't know. It is a wonderful soundtrack for them as well. Um, but yeah, a, a, a truly wonderful game for what it was. Nothing that great, that's revolutionary or groundbreaking, but definitely a nice showpiece for the Mars System hardware in 89. It's just one of those games that the Americans never got. And to be honest, there are 158 exclusives the, the Americans ever got on the Masters because of the way the format is. But this was actually, the reason I, I picked this particular game is because it came at a time where the Mars system was being supported. After 1991, Americans dropped the Mars system. The last release for the Mars system in America was Sonic the Hedgehog. And, you know, the, the Mars system had a second life in Europe when the Mars system 2 was, we had a whole range of um, 8-bit, 16-bit ports. It was a cheaper solution for Mega Drive. And that's why Sega, everyone goes on about how, you know, Super Nintendo, you know, Mega Drive, but Sega got their market there here in Europe. Mega Drive had, Mega Drive had, and, 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 and both. What are you singing? <laughs> I'm making my own. I'm making my own background music. Well, that's the thing. We're we're trying to avoid copyright here. So anyway, it looks. It you listen looks... to the music, weren't you? Yeah, it's a lovely sound, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. wonderful. But um, yeah, that's that's the game in a nutshell. Six stages of just shooting and saving the world from aliens. Apparently, they're supposed to be aliens. But um, I would recommend cool. this game to Sir Justin, though. I mean, he's mm. our uh, he's our friend, and he, he likes shooters like this one. If this is Agreed. a good master it's not like, like i say it's a middle of the run shooter it doesn't blow up the world it's not like one of those things that's out there but it's definitely a nice show so again one exclusive just to europe japan didn't get it america didn't get it we got it 
Another thing I want to add as well, and this is only something I noticed with emulation, is this actually supported FM sound. So remember there was, I might have mentioned in our master's video a while back, how there was an FM module you could attach to your Sega Mark III. Obviously we never had that in Palant, but this was programmed with both the FM sound and normal programmable sound. So you actually had the little chip tune that you had, but you also had FM synthesis sound as well. So you can set it to have FM sound, so it will have enhanced sound when you play it via emulation. It's, it's, that's actually incredible as well, that they actually gave this FM support, even though it's sort of power region. So just want to throw that out there as well. So that's, um, that's Bramble Spirits in a nutshell. All right. Any questions, gentlemen? You know? It no? Should we move on to the next game? No? <laughs> no, it, it's a bit, like you said, it's, it's it seems like a pretty standard shoot-em-up, and I I might play it for, well, I might play it for the for the variety of it, because of the fact that, because of our most recent challenge episode of shoot-em-ups, I've started mm. trying to get into it, so this one looks like it might be up my alley. I might, it's not, it doesn't seem as bullet hellish as a lot of the other ones that we've tried before. Hellish, but is it, don't get me, don't get twisted, it can't, because the problem isn't that it's bullet hellish, it's that the projectiles coming to you are quite small, so it's hard to see. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit it's a little bit cheatish that way that you can kind of get cheated not, from. It was not so much that it's small C, but if you look at the background color and the bullet color. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about the background, Serverus, because if <laughs> it's not bullish hell uh, if the background is like plain colors mm. however if you're going to mix in all of those greens all of those browns and grays like on that particular stage that we are seeing right now yeah and then in combination with the with the blinking bullets i mean ah. who knows like you might get caught sooner or later that's mm. it that's that would be that would put the crimp in my gameplay of like it because again, is that, a, yeah, is that, a, is that a, the limitation of the color gradient of the sega mega uh, the megas meh the, the master mm. system or what um give it a go give it a go and see how you get on with it that's all i can do yeah i'll i'll give it i'll give it a shot it, it seems interesting though again thanks very much to dan and Viraj for putting out that uh that that shoot em up challenge episode i've started to try to get into the genre there you go let's, let's move on to the next game um mm. this is another question so the next game i want to talk about is um i think this one that i've just thought of in my head so i'm just throwing out there this is one that you guys before we mm. let's do it because the pepsi thing made me think oh there's, there's a coca-cola <laughs> game that was on the on the game here. and the game's called um <laughs> the game's called coca-cola kid or Sasu Shunen Eudun Coca-Cola Kid. But if you just type in Coca-Cola Kid Game Gear, you'll find it. Paging Neil Trinidad, there's a new game that you want to try. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> well, the reason I'm making this game is because it's actually a really good Game Gear game. It's really, really good. And again, uh, the only reason I'm, I'm, you know. There's a very blatant Coca-Cola ad right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to get it done. But it's their game. Like They, they licensed it in Japan. and. It's a lot of fun. Like, just watch this game. Just go around just beating people up and uh, just going on. It's an action platform. Oh, game. this is a lot more tolerable. Yeah. I can yeah. tell. I can tell now. It's so much fun. <laughs> and again, it came out in 94, okay, in, in Japan. And it came with a special. There was actually a Coca Cola themed game gear. It was red. And it had Coca Cola in it. So, oh, I saw that. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, Joel. When we mm. were at, uh, at Collector's Alley. Oh, yes. I saw the, the red game gear that Chairman oh, Irwin. I didn't. I didn't even notice play. it. 
Because I thought it was the Magic Knight Ray or the variant because it's red. And then mm. I took a closer look. It's the Coca-Cola uh, variant. Oh, I didn't even I think notice it. I was only selling it for 6,000 pesos. Ah, we should have. I should have noticed it. We should have gotten that then. <laughs> anyway, continue, Viraj. Because I think you could buy it. I don't know if the game came with it or you could buy it with it, but this is, this is the game that came. Again, as you can see, this game offers so much variety in gameplay. It's not just your typical action, but from the look at the animation on this, it's an 8-bit game on the Game Gear. And it's a shame that it did stay in Japan because it would have done well here in the West. I'm guessing because of licensing and the deal, it feels like hmm. Japan had Coca-Cola in the Japan territory only. It stayed, they'll see. What is it about this uh, soda companies not releasing their games to the West? Because they want to make more money. <laughs> Every region is a license licensing opportunity so you want to maximize your profits so every single region you reserve the right to say i don't want my game released elsewhere unless you pay for it so oh so basically because pepsi and coca-cola is pretty much well known to the west already they don't really need the extra effort mm, there's also <laughs> that i guess <laughs> so so, uh, the, um, so it was it was co-developed by <clears throat> The CS5, which was their R&D for there, and a company called Aspect, which went bankrupt in 2018, sadly. But it was a second-party developer, Sega, at the time. Um, and they did an amazing job with this. And, um, you know, the game just speaks for itself. It's just a really good action platformer. And it's just a shame we never got it in the in the West. It was stuck in Japan. So that's my that's a Japan entry. And it's just a stunning 8-bit game, which it looks and plays beautifully. I think I would say it's like near, near enough on the most perfect game gear games that I've seen. It's just a shame we never got it. It's very fluid. I'll I'll say this. Um, When you play it and you get past the first, what is he attacking with? The frisbee? What is that? I feel like yeah, a frisbee. Yeah, it's a frisbee. So basically, he's Captain America. Oh, somersaults <laughs> in the air, man. I mean, what other games do we have characters with somersault in the air? You know, mm. this is amazing. So, uh, yeah, definitely a game that I'd recommend you give a go on, on the Game Gear by emulation or however you want to play. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the uh, so what's the main point of this game? Like, are you supposed to collect? coca-cola cans or something no no you meant well the, the, the main aim of the game is going through the level uh, and getting through each stage and taking on the bad guys and, and whatever it's a generic platform i don't know you're fighting joe higashi from i know i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i think there's some evil guy trying to steal the coca-cola i'm guessing i'm making up a story now and you gotta take him out yeah. so he's just going down level from level so Yeah, pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's just it doesn't really have much of a plot to it. It's a platform. Come on. I mean, Joe, Joe Higashi's reputation just took a hit for me that he that he that he was able to be get beaten up by a kid on a skateboard, <laughs> right? You know, you're <laughs> drinking Coca Cola. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say all that sugar <laughs> going somewhere. I mean, what is the equivalent? Oh, in, 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 oh. What is the equivalent in India, though, uh, Viraj? In the Philippines, it's thumbs pop up. cola. They have thumbs up. But thumbs up. Thumbs up in India. Uh, uh-huh. So now, Coca. So what it was is an interesting story. So Pepsi mm-hmm. is a dominant brand in India, Coca mm-hmm. And the reason they were dominant is because they put out a smear campaign to Coke, saying, Ooh. "With the back then they used to recycle the bottles, and they said that Coca-Cola recycled their bottles with the science." Oh. Uh. Yeah. And then people okay. were like, "What?" And then people stopped buying Coke, which is it was an absolute lie. Yeah. <laughs> and people so just believed that. One franchisee <laughs> that was doing it, and everyone Coca-Cola got banned. So what Coca-Cola did? What they do? There was another brand, an Indian brand called Thumbs Up. Thumbs and, Up. And Coca-Cola just bought Thumbs Up, and then they just took over the market <laughs> because, because that's basically what happened. And Coca-Cola 
is um, probably just, they're probably 50-50 in India, but I think Coca-Cola just has it with a thumbs up. I mean, so, it's yeah. pretty smart. If if your, if your brand is damaged, buy a new brand, right? <laughs> and Coca-Cola Coke has been doing that for years. And same with sort of Pepsi. They, they, Pepsi probably developed their brand because Coke just buy them. That's what mm. they do. That's Coca-Cola for kids for you on, on Sega Game Gear. So should mm. we move on to the third? Yes. Mm. We go to the, we're going 16-bit now, 16-bit land with Sega Mega Drive. And the game I want to talk about is, it's a late release for the platform, okay? It's a game that's very near and dear to my heart because I love it, okay? Even though it's the PAL version. And it did, it did get a Japan release. It didn't have an American release, surprisingly. When you look at this game, you're like, oh my God, man, they did us Americans dirty. That's what the game in question was a game developed by Treasure called Alien Soldier, okay? Yeah. Alien Soldier. When you look at it, you think, oh my god, this looks like something that's too advanced for Mega Drive. When you look mm -hmm. at it graphically, the animation, the color, and how it pops, you're thinking, this, this could look like it could be on Super Nintendo. That's that's how how it looked from the from the off setting, because it does look really advanced. And the fact that Sega could pull it off, or Treasure made this game to that standard, is outstanding. And here we go, we got a, a lovely little intro credits. The music in this game is outstanding, by the way. Um, you know, I love the music of this game. It's got, it uses the best of FM I uh, mm -hmm. love it. Obviously, this intro is written in English. There are, there are some weird Ooh. things. Localization. Um, but yeah, basically, it's um, it's a run-and-gun shooter. But imagine the levels are really short and you just fight the bosses. It's basically like a, a, bus rush, a, but, look, a but, boss rush game. That's basically it. So look at this. I mean, look at, the, look at those explosions. You know, look at him. And you, you play as Epsilon whatever his name is, this bird green mutant. And uh, moves basically, fast. Basically, Quite fast. Yeah, it is fast. This is this is it. And the, the developers, when they created this game, you know, um, yeah, they had the slogan which was visual shock, seed shock, sound shock. Now is the time for the sixty-eight thousand heart on fire. And that was that's actually you see that in the title sequence on the Japanese version of the game. And the 68,000 is reference to the X68,000, the processor in the Mega Drive by Motorola. And they were pushing the, the, the processor to its limit. And this game was designed, it, it says custom for Mega Drivers only. Mega Drivers, that term was used in this game back then. And it's for those people who like that hardcore shooter. They were saying this is for the, for, the, for the elite. This is for the people who want that challenge. And you have two modes in here, super easy and super hard. And it's already set default to super hard when you buy this game. It's pushing you, and it really wants you to beat this game on hard mode. And it is a difficult game for what it is. Well, I speak to Dan, and he goes, well, once you get used to the boss battles and the, and the patterns of the bosses, you can beat this game with ease. But there's about over 18 stages, you know, and it's one of those games where when you die, you know, you start from the beginning again. Mm. You don't, no I am too slow for this game. I can tell. What do you say? I am too slow for this game. Yeah, I mean, too this slow. is it. I mean, play the PAL version, because it is... You know, it's 16% slower if you're worried that it's going to be too, a bit too fast because there is is slower than the uh, Japanese. But, um, you know, I, I, I love this game. It's just outstanding. Now, this game, the story of this game is out is crazy as well. This was, <laughs> and you'll be shocked when I say this. This game, majority was developed by just one programmer. That's it. One programmer made all of this. Okay, one art designer, one music composer. And he... He started making this game in 1993, okay, at the start of it, and it got towards the end of 1994 and like, well, where's the game? The game was only half complete because of all the things he wanted to do. And then in the end, the president of Treasure said, okay, like, I know you, we gave you this baby to do on your own, but we need to wrap this up now because the Mega Drive is coming to the end. Because the Saturn was coming out in 95 in Japan, right? 
and oh. they just wrapped it up. So actually, if you look at this game, it's only half done. You wouldn't think it, you wouldn't know it. This was meant to be twice, you know, than it already was. And that was the initial concept. So eventually they wrapped it up and they finished it in 1995 and, and it was released. And, you know, sadly, because of the way things were going, uh, I mean, I'm surprised it even got a Japanese release, um, but the Mega Drive was going strong in 95 in the European in America, maybe that's when Super Nintendo started to get most of the market share in America with the way things were going. So, you know, a, a late release of the Mega Drive as well, or the, well, Mega Drive hardware, didn't come out in um, America. And, um, you know, the only way you could sort of legitimately play it recently, from my knowledge, is um, they released it on the Genesis Mini 2 as part of the, the game library that was on that mini console. And it was also released on the Asian region Mega Drive Mini, the first of it as well. So there was that was an official way that people could probably play it. I don't, I believe it must have had some other releases from there um, as a compilation, whatever, on other platforms, but I could be very wrong. Um, but predominantly, this is actually a, a palette and a Japanese. So that, that, that is actually one of the, that's actually my top 10 games of Mega Drive that I really love. So I just love that action. I love that speed. And I think that's the main thing that separates those 16 bit gamers who like Mega Drive over Nintendo. They wanted that speed. They wanted those actions. You know, they wanted the action. They wanted that high adrenaline rush from playing the game. And that's hmm. what Mega Drive was known for. That's one thing that it could differentiate, differentiate itself from the slow Super Nintendo, you know, even though mm -hmm. they've been colors this thing had a bigger resolution more speed this game played to the system's strengths and it's an amazing game and i recommend even though you may feel you're too slow for it give it a go you'll have fun and that's what this is about having I, it it certainly looks impressive i i might give it a go sometime in the future and um <clears throat> as to your point about uh it being developed by a single programmer lot yeah. uh it's amazing how oh. Single single programmers yeah. can produce amazing things like Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley was done it's by one vision. single guy. It's their there vision. And it's not been contaminated. So I think in the end they had like a team of five when they wrapped it up and made mm. it done. But I'd love them to make like an uncut edition of that developer because he's still around and he, you know he can still continue this. I wish he makes an uncut a director's cut where he finishes it, you know, and they actually re-release it. Oh, that's a dream of mine. Obviously, I'll uh, you never know. I mean, in in current state of technology and indie games being a thing, who knows, right? Who does? He might make he might make some kind of spiritual sequel. You never know. Man, we never know. Mm -hmm. I would say this game kind of reminds me of a very hyper Mega Man game, hmm. kind of like um, Hagane for the SNES, and a little bit of Contra, kind of. Yeah. Kind it's, of, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So if you love Contra, if you love Gunstar Heroes, which is also developed by Trip, mm. um, and if you if you love the, oh Gunstar Heroes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's made by the same people who made Gunstar, well, same development studio that made that. So you're gonna have that style, that vibe about it. But um, you know, it's just like outstanding the weapon you from, all the attack styles they can like fly through enemies and all. I, I I do think that it's, it's a game that you can really enjoy. It does take obviously you are going to die. Honestly, mm. I mean. I, but it's you, funny you, that you uh, mentioned that it, it's made by just one guy. I mean, you did mention it's rather short, and I'm like, how short is short? short? Like, I mean, stages. I mean, those yeah, but stages. Because, look at the gameplay. He's fighting the bosses like quite shortly. Yeah, but the, sta the stages alone is not that that intricate. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the stages may not seem that intricate, but as you get deeper and deeper into this, the game, the bosses become that much more and more harder. And remember, like I said, you die, you're starting from the beginning again. So you got to be a person that's happy to replay the game from the start and then really push it to the limit. Um, so I suppose you know 
but those 18 stages, it can take an hour to get to the end. It can take, like, I think the playthrough it has taken me out an hour when I got there. Sorry, Viraj <clears throat> mentions Viraj mentions push it to the limits and the song starts playing in my head. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> I'm at... I mean, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. What can I say? Oh, so. <laughs> push it so, to the limit. That, that's the third game that I'll, I'll mention. Um, I'm not going to go through like how the game plays. You can see it for you. Um, all right. So are we are we ready to move on to the fourth fourth series, fourth game? I want to yep. Let's do this. So the the next game I want to talk about is a Super Nintendo game. So we're moving away from Sega. We're looking at the Super <laughs> Nintendo platform, and I'm saying Super Nintendo because you know it, it did come out in in, in Europe. The European um exclusive game we had um and it was also released in japan i should say so it was a japan european game and it was released in 1995 um or 1996 for us in the pal territory um and it was developed by a studio well a development well a development company called quintet um and it was published by enix software okay and this is before the uh merger called square enix uh, a, a great little action rpg that i enjoyed was the end of the super nintendo's life in europe um, and it's called Terranigma. Terranigma. Ah, of course. Terranigma. Terranigma. Um, and it was like sort of the third child of the unofficial Quintet trilogy. Um, that's, that's what I like to call it. If you're familiar with the RPGs, obviously there was Soul Blazer in 92 and you had Illusion of Gaia in 90. Well, it's called Illusion of Time here in Europe. And, um, and but yeah, Terranigma, which was, as I mentioned earlier, not released in the American. Um, and the reason for this um, is because the, um, the Enix had basically shut down their American publishing branch in, you know, by that time. So they weren't publishing games in America. And that's the reason you never, well, the Americans never got that with a game. So there you go. Um, what, what can I say about this particular game? Um, you know, uh, it's it's been criticized for its difficulty, to be honest, but I, I don't know why it's been criticized. I think it's, it's quite a fun game to play. Um, you know, you play as the lead character arc and you start off your adventure in the village as you would in like any RPG start in the moon town. And um, it's basically a game where you sort of have to go on your little adventure to, you know, save the world from darkness. That's, that's fundamentally it. Um, an action RPG game, which involves exploratory elements, problem solving. Um, and it's an act, the good thing about it being an action RPG is you haven't got the turn-based aspect. Of it. So it offers a, a much more seamless gameplay element rather than going to a battle screen and fighting. I think people in the West actually did welcome more that, that aspects of you know action RPG. So you know you, you have that. And there, there's so many exploratory elements, so many exciting aspects of the story that I could I could go on, but I don't want to sort of ruin the game for anyone. That's why I don't want to talk about it. A game that you should definitely play if you haven't. It's one that I think a lot of people don't really talk about as much because it wasn't released in the American territories. Um, you know, people always go on about Earthbound or, you know, uh, Chrono Trip, you know, being like the main sort of like, games for the system. But the, what, what a lot of people don't forget is that we never really got them in Europe. That's the funny thing. So we know the Americans know how to shout about games, but I don't think we shout too much about Terranigma as much as we should be. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, you know? So the reason it never got published in America is because Enix closed down their publishing diversion at that point. And 1996 is quite a late release for the Super Nintendo from a European standard because we embraced 32-bit technology in 95 a lot quicker. Um, I think when the Americans did, um, we, you know, PlayStation really did dominate very quickly. Even though I, I got my PlayStation in 97, so the Mega Drive sort of did last a bit longer. But even then, you know, like 
people's interest in the 16-bit started to wane after 1995 and I don't think a lot of people even in Europe managed to get this um, hidden gem I think that's why I would, I would call it for the platform so yeah there you go your thoughts on the game gentlemen uh, if one thing if there are a few things that I can uh, I can add to Terra Enigma yeah go for it very story driven like if yeah. you are going to play Terra uh, Enigma we are so lucky that there is a there's an actual how English release because ain't no way you're gonna be enjoying this game with without reading all of that text all, all the the, um, uh, the narrative itself because you're gonna be uh, it's really hard to appreciate the game uh, this game without getting into the uh, getting into the into the lore of it yeah sure it, it's an action RPG but you really need to understand why you're doing what you're doing like why is uh, why is the lead character there in the first place? I will make a point about all RPGs. You need to have a good plot. I think at the point, if we're talking about the mid '90s with Chrono Trigger, you got games like Fantasy Star Four and and this thing. I think at that point, video games with 16-bit and with more memory, you have more you can do with the game. With RPGs, you want to feel emotionally invested in the story. You want to feel like you're on the character side. You want to feel immersed, and you need a good story, a good plot to be immersed. I mean. I know this is nothing to do with video games, but I think the reason the Harry Potter books are so good is because they have such a good plot to them. You, know, you have to That's have true. a drive to be able to go on this adventure. Otherwise, what's the point? I believe the drive for this when I played it was got your girlfriend Ellie and you had to save her. And what more is a drive? There is love. It's a love story. It's very hard. You know, I think a lot of people can sort of identify with that. I mean, look, loads of people get married, fall in love, or whatever. You know, you got you want to save the, your loved ones from the monsters. I mean, what more is there to, to what other what drive can you have? And I think there's there's something special about that. With other RPGs of that era too, this one just happens to be a palette which the Americans sadly never got, and it's of a quality as you can see from the graphics, the design, the way it plays. Very good. It's not by any means a flawless game. I mean, it has its issues. I think remember Dan talking about it. Not saying the menu system when you toggle through getting your. Equipment. Oh my god, the menu system is so bonkers. I don't. I don't even know why they did it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, and I remember you uh, going on about. It's not one that. And another, and another, and another thing. Uh, what uh, what strikes me about this game is that all of those skills, all of the move sets that you see there in the gameplay, you don't really get all of those right up front. Like you need to earn it. Like there are certain uh, so the, some of the special the, some of the special moves will only be available in certain parts of the game. So if you're going to play the Japanese version of it, unless you're reading the manual, you won't even know how to do it. How you don't even know how to pull them off. Goodness. It kind of plays like uh, The Legend of Zelda, those um, uh, later game, And it looks like a JRPG, but it's an actually it's an action... Um, it's an action uh, RPG. Action, so you, you yeah, action, action RPG. Action yeah. RPG. And so, I mean, there are dialogues as well. Unlike in Legend of Zelda, there, you can only hear Link like, do uh, cries and... Well, you, you do get dialogue itself, which not as much. You do hear him talk to no. people, they are relationship, but it's not to the extent Terranigma has. And um, yeah, there's a lot more to sort of bounce off of with Terranigma. Ultimately, it's, it's a game that's sort of forgotten. It's not, from my understanding, had a re-release. I've not seen it on um, Switch Online, on, on the you know Super Nintendo side of things. I'll never see them re-release it. Sadly, I think it was a travesty we never got it released on the SNES Mini when it came out years ago. I mean... I think that and Chrono Trigger. I mean, if they, they should have added another game, and they should have added Chrono Trigger, made that exclusive for the American. Should have made and fuck Chrono Trigger. 
Sorry? <laughs> right, right, forget 300 figures. They should have put this on there then. I mean, that would have helped sell this <laughs> in America because it's an exclusive they never got. I mean, but that, that being said, Nintendo didn't need help selling because they were sold out everywhere. You know, so they didn't really need to put these licensed games on there. Anyway, it is what it is. It is what it is. Terranigma Super Nintendo. Any further questions? No, I thought not. Let's move on to my um, my final title. Um, and this is moving okay. away from now. Moving away from 2D games. Well, it is a 2 who am I kidding? But it's set, it, so it's a 1998 release, okay? Um, and it's for, you know, one of my favorite unpopular systems. <laughs> for the Sega Saturn, okay? And it was made by Konami, and it's called Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's the Sega Saturn. And we're thinking, why are we talking about this game? This game gets talked about a lot, you know, but we talk about the PlayStation, talk about this Saturn. Um, well, you know, to, to begin with, it's got the ability to play with, you know, at the start of the game, you can play with Alucard, so you have a choice of characters. So the way you've got to think about this particular game is, is that it's an enhanced, expanded version of the PlayStation version. And that's what the Sega Saturn port allowed. Um, but the Sega Saturn port, even though it has all these extra features, like it's got two extra dungeons there, two extra levels in there, or zones in the castle um, that the PlayStation 1 didn't have. So it's actually a fuller, bigger game, to be fair. And that's, that's what I will say about that. Um, but again, it was only sadly, we, we, we only ever got it in Japan. And the uh, uh, obvious reason was, well, okay, the Sega Saturn wasn't popular here in Europe or in America, sadly. Predominantly a, a winner in Japan. So of course they released it in Japan. And that's that's really the bottom line why it was a region. But, you know, it was also regarded, sadly, as, as a bad port. Um, because, you know, because the PlayStation didn't have a 2D graphics mode, instead of relying on programs to turn the 3D mode, like the 2D, um, they just rendered it in, with the textures that they had. With the Saturn, you know, it has both a 2D and 3D graphics mode. But what the, what happened is, is because it could, because of the way it could be used in conjunction with the other, the developers didn't take advantage of it. Sadly, um, you know, it basically had a very bad port, which made it look a bit weird on the Saturn because they, the developers just didn't take advantage of the, the dedicated modes that the Saturn had. Um, also, another thing is the Saturn version, or let's say Saturn had a bigger resolution than the PlayStation. Um, so you had that, and that's why you had these big black bars on the top as well. So it distorted the picture, stretching it. Um, another issue the Saturn version had was longer loading times and, and poor transparency. So that's basically the issue the Saturn version faced. Um, you know, this could have been fixed, to be honest, and altered if they just gave it enough time to play with the Saturn strengths, but they didn't. However, the reason I mentioned this game is because recently, as of this year, last month, they've actually uploaded a there's actually been a, an English translation patch, which is an mm. advanced pack of the game that they've created. They've translated it to English, so you can actually play in English. Um, you can they've also restored the transparency expects, uh, effects as well. Um, also, you've got access to the global map of the whole thing, so you can actually see what the castle looks like. You don't always have access. Um, you know, a lot of things have been changed. They've also removed the black bars and all the problems that I've seen in terms of, you know, videos and, and dialogues. And they've also reduced the loading time. They have support for all sorts of things and bug fixes. So they fixed all the problems pretty much of the Saturn port, and they've actually made an enhanced version of it, which is actually the definitive and best way to play an expanded version of perhaps one of the best, if not the best, Castlevania of all time. And it is actually that Saturn port. So they've actually righted a wrong by creating a new hack for this particular game. Uh, and with the English translation, you win. You win, you can play it in the Not to say that you could never play it without the English translation. Of course, you want to follow the story. Um, obviously, if you remember with the uh, PlayStation in the game, you had some very hammy voice acting. Um, obviously, they've, they've fixed the, the dialogue to a to much more 
to translate the Japanese version, which was actually much, um, much more in-depth voice acting with better dialogue that actually made sense. So again, uh, a much more uh, detailed game for the Saturn. And again, sadly, we never got to play it. And now I think for those of you who haven't played it, because of this ROM hack and you want to play this for the first time, that's the way you should play it. It's a port that's been fixed for the Sega. So yeah, Castlevania Symphony Night, Sega Saturn. And to be honest, there's a lot I could have named. In fact, more than half the Sega Saturn library is in Japan anyway. So there's so many games I could have picked. Why did I pick this one? Because I believe it's more accessible for people and people will be interested in Castlevania Symphony of the Night. There's so many games, like I said, Magic, before we even went live, that Magic Light, Raya, we never got. Um, there were the other two chapters, the Shining Force game. So predominantly RPGs, predominantly RPGs. This game, nice action, 2D side-scrolling adventure RPG. Enjoy this. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, for those people who are writing, saying, oh, that is not an exclusive game. <laughs> For the context of the game itself, like the definitive way to play Symphony of the Night, according to Servirage, anyway. Yeah. It's about playing the Sega Saturn version. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's not, it's, it's, it's not weird. Okay, the uh, game is exclusive, and the PlayStation version was the one that came out, but this is an expanded right. version. So this version is exclusive to the Saturn with the two extra levels. You've got two extra levels mm-hmm. on You've got a bigger castle. You get to play as a Maria Rachel. We had like what? We had the PS2, we had the PS3, PS4, PS5. Even the Vita, PSP, sure. Not any of those consoles did a remaster or a, uh, or a definitive re-release of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah, but it was built on the PlayStation Never. version. To my knowledge, nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think Konami would have uh, would release something like a remaster. You, they think that that will not sell. I mean, they've been releasing like those bundles of all of the uh, Castlevania games, but never with Symphony of the Night. Well, not the, yeah, not the. I mean, it's not the Saturn version. I want to be very clear here. They've always made it like the PlayStation. Yeah. That always the PlayStation. So the Saturn version is locked to its platform, sadly. I'm sure there's like reasons why Konami haven't you know, ported the Saturn. But they probably had a, a deal with Sega. Do you think, do you think Konami was? Uh, do you think Konami uh, jumped the gun too early <coughs> in releasing Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation, not waiting for the definitive version to come out equally on both Saturn and the PlayStation, though? Um, no, I think I think what it was is, I think the, the story is Kojo Igarashi, I think that's Saturn behind. Um, he's actually said famously in an article about his PlayStation version. Okay, this Saturn version was purely developed um, exclusively for the Saturn as like, just to be able to sell it. And it was an exclusive version for the Saturn because it had, ex- it, you know, they, they launched the same game with Saturn, but it was actually a different version. and. There's different sense that you had some extra features the PlayStation version didn't. But even then, the developer said, well, the PlayStation 1 is the one that we released. Now, for those of us that know, okay, yeah, that might be the director's vision. But if you, for those who want to have a fuller Castlevania Symphony Night experience, the Saturn version has a lot more. And more is always better, right? If we, especially within video games. Um, so you would think that the only problem is when the Saturn version did come out, it was buggy as hell. You know, we had some issues. Um, it's not like the game was broken or anything, but it would sort of, sort of not make your gameplay experience as fun as you'd want it. So, you know, that Saturn version was had always remained all these years on the Saturn and in the Japan region as well. Um, and which is a shame because there were people in the West that might have wanted to play more 
have more Castlevanias. And all these other versions that they've released on the PSP uh, and, and, and the other ports going forward, you know, if, if reported on the other PlayStation, they were just, you know, the versions of the PlayStation version. The game wasn't actually expanded. They just might have updated the graphics. They might have added a, a sound menu or something and extra features like a bestiary or whatever it was to go into all the monsters and what what they could do or whatever. But they didn't add like more of a game. The, play, the Saturn version is more of a game. So if you want more Symphony of Night, logically it makes sense to play the Saturn version. And now that they fix all the problems with the Saturn version with this particular hat, you play that version. That's a bit of a deal. How about uh, any thoughts for JDM? So I, for one, who haven't played um, uh, honestly, I missed out on this game back in the 2000s because... Uh, well, it was like 1998, when, well, 1997 when it came out originally. 97, yeah. I, I really missed out on this game. And I, when my classmates told me that they have this game called um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I, in my mind, I remember those... Um, first uh, Castlevania those earlier Castlevania games which I had a trauma of not finishing because it's so damn hard then yeah. and I didn't know that this game was also in um, 2D because uh, back then when you say PlayStation it it's all about the 3D games. There's um, those RPG games and those action games. Um, I didn't when I see on the magazine that there's a review of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, there was no um, like a screenshot of the game. So I was imagining that it was a 3D game like in the Nintendo 64 games. I didn't really know that it was this 2D game and I didn't know that it was such a big hit, uh, especially when the um, Netflix series came out. But the one that I played, the Castlevania, I think the only Castlevania game that I have finished was um, the one in on the DS, Dawn of Sorrow, yeah, which Dawn was Sorrow. Uh, yeah, which was actually looks like this game. I think this this game was the one that became popular, but I didn't know that there was a, a Sega Saturn version, and mm. and I didn't even know that it was. A definitive edition. I thought the one that came out in on the PS1 was the um, the complete version. So I might check this one out if I I don't know where I should where I could play it because I don't have a Sega Saturn and yeah. and uh, Sega Saturn is quite rare to find, especially here in the Philippines. So let's see if someone will try to. How how is the Sega Saturn emulation these days? It can be done. Is it I mean, better or still? Eh? It's not easy to do. You need to have a powerful computer to emulate. To be honest, and even yeah. with these Pi devices, handheld Pi devices, Ambonit R, um, that can run Saturn games but 2D. But even then, you're not going to get the fussy frames per second. It's the thing. Really, if I'm being blunt with you, just the way to run a Saturn, like I've got a Saturn and I also got one which is modded. And basically, the GDU is out. I use the Terranian hack. Basically, it's had work done on it. You got a micro SD with the ROMs on it, and it plays via the Saturn. And that's the best way. Best way to play Saturn is on a Saturn, but it's modding it because the games, as we know, cost the king's ransom. This game in particular will cost you a little money as well. So 
it just makes sense just to hack it and just add the games in that way. And any ROMs that you have, just play it via an official SAT, and that's the best way, I would say, to play a SAT. Um, it's not to say that you can't emulate it, so you just need to have the right sort of like PC and tools to do it. I think certain JDM's computer PC can um, can, uh, can run it. Yeah. Uh, so go. What's the best one that we have so far? Hayabusa. I think that's yeah. the uh, I think that's the name of the emulator for the Saturn. Yeah. Mm. With so, the with the most compatibility anyway. Is another one. Give give them a go and see if your your PC will run it. It's just like, on these little Pi devices, like you're gonna struggle with. Um, but yeah, Saturn emulation. It's still got a way to go, but it's not impossible. It's just. Let me just explain it in layman's terms with Sega Saturn hardware. And this also is the case with Nintendo 64 too. They both uh, got the same issue, which is this is before, the fifth generation was an interesting time when they used different microprocessors and components as well as a dedicated processor to get the games running, okay? When we get to Dreamcast era, that thing had a dedicated GPU unit. And that was when, because it had a dedicated GPU, all the, all the sixth gen systems are much, much easier to emulate because you know what that GPU did, rather than all these other, you know, the N64 and the Saturn having all these little various bits that all cogs that all work together. And the problem with that is that consistency of emulation. You don't know what clock speed that that ran at, and it's a lot more to compute than um, you know the um, let's say a Dreamcast, for example. So that's why running a Saturn is harder than a Dreamcast, just simply because the native hardware was just overpowered for what it was. That's basically the short bit. If that makes sense, I don't know if I made sense, with it, but yeah. Because the Saturn has a lot more chips and more components chips. running at the same time. Like unlike the Dreamcast, there's only one. Yeah, was running so all of the crap all copy all this up. So yeah, you got a, a 3D processor here, which is basic, and you got a much more advanced 3D processor here. But that 3D processor is better at running 2D games, so that will be better for it. But then when you try to emulate a set, and you realize that this processor is also doing some work for that game, doing too. some work. This one's doing work. This one's doing work. This one is doing yeah. work. And getting that to emulate and getting like, all the programs is going to get, it's not, it's just not all going to always work together. And you're going to need the processing power of it to emulate properly, if that makes it, or something powerful that will run it. And how many was, uh, how many was uh, Saturn was using? Four? Sorry? How, how many chipsets were, uh, was the Saturn using? Well, it had, look, it had a dedicated processor for sound. It had a dedicated processor for, it had two, it had two dedicated graphics processes, mm. two different processes for graphics, but it also had some other bits in there as, but I can't mm. remember. I've lost count of it. It's just such a piece of hardware. I'm a really I think I, if my, if, uh, if memory serves me right, I think it's about four or six, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it was, silly, it was about silly that. Thing, it was, it was, it was over-engineered and, and, you know, there, there is a, yeah, it's just mad what, what happened with I think we did an episode on this and a while back where, where we explained in more detail as to why they went the way they watch did. that episode guys. It's our highest uh it is our most downloaded episode apparently. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, fair oh yeah, it's still our uh, for some reason a, a lot um, yeah, because it's our like most downloaded show after yet. The Saturn it's episode. Yeah. It, you know, and it's it's such a beautiful thing as well. It's it's like you know, it's it's like that that, that kid at school nobody talked about, but then you realize like he was the king, you know, it's one of those things. So give it a go. But yeah, that that I think rounds up my 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 little um chat. Yeah, my little game, those five games. You know, give them a go. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that, sir, Viraj. And that's the show, guys. And it's been two hours, and I think uh, we cannot cover the entirety of the exclusives for the PAL regions and the and the Japanese. I'm not gonna be sharing mine because of time constraints now. Oh, but but that's fine. Um, we'll just do our shameless plugs. 
Sir Joel had to run quite early because of some business. So we'll just do the shameless plugs now. We'll start with Sir JDM. Sir JDM, where can they find you? Yes, uh, you can catch me on 123 Go Retro on Twitch and also on YouTube, uh, 123 Go Retro. And I don't usually stream regularly now, but I do post um, videos, um, my old videos and maybe some old... I was planning to do some uh, hardware tech uh, videos our content in the future so please do check it out all right thank you for that sir jdm and of course sir viraj of the sega mega masters where can they find you you can find me in hell no you can you can find me um you can find me on no, the well on the sega mega master you can find me in hell no you can, you can find me um so you can find <laughs> you, you got that um Where else can you find me? Oh yeah, and you'll find me on the Sega Genesis um, on uh, on Facebook, and obviously here as well. Um, in, I, know, I know that we probably don't have any listeners in London or the UK listening. It's mostly Philippine America, but um, I'll be um, I'll be at the London Gaming Market on the 17th of March, where I buy and sell retro video games under the name of Bygone Games. So uh, that's fun if you like handheld games. But um, yeah, that's me fundamentally. Back to you. Right. Thank you for that, Sir Viraj. And we're just gonna, in speaking of shameless plugging, we'll just do a few um, in regarding to our uh, our partners here. So we got Shuffle Emporium will be hosting their PokeFest 2024 at the Green Hills Promenade, basement number two, on February 24th and the 25th, 2024. And entrance is free. They will be conducting a Pokemon Diorama contest. The Pokemon trading card game and the video game competition as well. So, for more details about the event, go to Facebook. Pa- go to the Facebook page of Shuffle Emporium. Next up, we got Studio.ph. We'll be attending the Manila East City Collectors Convention at the Santa Lucia East Grand Mall on March 1st, March 2nd, 2024. Studio.ph will be hosting a high score tournament, the Famicom Classics Mappy, on March 1st. And then Snow Brothers on March 2nd. Studio PH will also be hosting free plays of retro consoles and games. And also selling some gaming-related merchandise. For more information, you can just check out the Facebook pages of Vanilla East CD Collectors and Studio.ph. And of course, our uh, our show, um, so the Timeless Gamers show is apparently a uh, affiliate now of the bitmap books as you guys recall we did an episode reviewing a few bitmap books and they were kind enough to give us a affiliate link um and this will be uh oh uh, with bitmap books very outstanding publishing group here selling top-notch top of the uh, top of the line quality hardbound picture books about video gaming history compendiums that illustrates the history of games through genres uh, franchises and consoles as you can see in the picture there uh, nes snes the mega drive pc engine jrpgs beat-em-ups computer rpgs point and click they even have a uh, a book dedicated to metal slug and the king of fighters and a lot more By using the link shown 
there, you will be helping out the Tangles Gamer Show for every book purchase that you make. That is bitmapbooks.co.uk question mark a f f equals one two zero. That is bitmapbooks.co.uk question mark a f f equals one two zero. And yeah, that's um. That's the show, guys. And on behalf of the Thomas Gamers crew, uh, on behalf of Sir Ray, uh, who made our uh, thumbnails, Sir uh, Sir Joel, Sir Dan, who is still undergoing treatment as of the moment, and Miss I, who um, and uh, she's still undergoing her uh, her review studies. Uh, Sir Viraj here and Sir G- and Sir JDM. Our games and our bodies may grow out of date, but. Our gaming experiences will forever remain. Hey! Timeless! Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. See you next time. See you next time. Till next time. <laughs>